All right, welcome to the Los Angeles or the Sports Ethos Los Angeles Chargers podcast, Championship Sunday edition. Here I am with Brandon. How are you doing today, Brandon? Uh, not bad, Rob. Could be better after today's results, <laughs> but uh, it's football. It's football. This happens. Yeah, um, a really interesting Super Bowl that we're going to get to. Shane is uh, unfortunately not here. He might hop in a bit later, but he is in Hawaii on vacation. Uh, he will be back next week for our NFL award show, which is coming later in next week. Um, really quickly, I, this is something that I kind of talk about every year um, before we kind of get into the games. And every time we have a new iteration of the podcast, I always love time about this. Championship Sunday is our kind of last day every year of us just talking about football. It still feels like one of those days for me that's always like a diehard football day versus the Super Bowl, which feels a lot more pageantry heavy and things like that. So every year that we finish up Championship Sunday, it always feels like it's kind of the last true Sunday of the NFL season. Do you kind of feel the same way? Because I've had this conversation with my dad and in previous iterations of this podcast um, that this is kind of our pinnacle as football fans. Um, is Championship Sunday. Do you agree with that? I mean, I, I think I do. I, you know, when I look at the Super Bowl, obviously, if, if my team isn't in it, I don't think I care. Especially if it's two teams I hate, like this one coming up, then I really don't care. Um, but it's, I, I think it feels that way because, the, you know, even though the, the playoff games are, are big, you know, it is win or go home once you make the playoffs. It's just, it's still, and some parts of the game just don't feel like a regular football Sunday that you can just sit down, you know, watch the games, have a good time, and then, you know, you, you know that's it. And then Pro Bowl, you know, comes in between the Super Bowl and this, and then you get to the Super Bowl, which is basically like a beauty contest for for TV networks, for TV networks, for parties. It's a so, showcase for people I mean, you get you get called over to people's houses from people that never watch football the rest of the year and you're like the only hardcore oh, yeah. football fan at the party who actually cares about the game at any level everyone else is just there to get drunk and have nachos or whatever the hell it doesn't it never feels like an actual sunday yeah and again there, just, there's all this pageantry in it too and it's because it's like it's like you watch, you know, you watch these games. And he's like, the commercials, the commercials are still the same. You're like, you know, the, the, uh, you know, you're still seeing the same, you know, Pizza Hut and and Pepsi <laughs> commercials. Like, you know, and it's like, have you know, it your Derek way, Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, my yeah, my two favorite commercials is the Burger King one, and then what the Apple one with the wall socket. So, the wall socket singing you know, a rap. So. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, I I like that, but it's like you're not gonna get those kind of commercials during a Super Bowl. You know, you're not gonna get the kind of pageantry that goes with the Super Bowl. Like it just feels like another Sunday, and it sucks. It's because it's like it it sucks because it's like listen, we we love talking about the game in the off season too, and you know, then getting up to the you know the combine, the draft, training camp, all this stuff. But it's it's not the you know in between the first Sunday of or because not not even the first Thursday night game feels. You know, like a, yeah, an actual it, game. It's the first like, Sunday. It's the first Sunday yeah. to today that always feels like you know we're we're in the thick of it. We come here on a Sunday or sometimes later in the week. We do a podcast. I mean, even for us, there we do the Super Bowl podcast on the Monday after. 
which is not usual. Yeah. We almost never do that, but that's always been our schedule in our, you know, our years doing this because Super is just kind of nuts. And we'd be recording at like yeah. 1 a.m. And we just, it's just, it's just nuts. And, but like, yeah, I just, it, it's, it really yeah. feels like this is the last normal Sunday we have. And then, of course, Pro Bowl is kind of fun, but you know, it's not real football. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's like, yeah, I love, don't get me wrong, I love the other. You know, well, I know there's other sports, but the other three major sports, you know, basketball, b- baseball, and hockey. But it's like, I, you know, when those seasons come and go, I, I listen. I love my teams. I love my Yankees. Love my Nets. Love my Devils. But when it comes to football, there's just something different about it, where it's like nobody could have. Like, listen, we we sit here every year. We make predictions about. You know, this, that, and the other thing, which team is going to go all the way, which team has a good chance of being like a dark horse, which team is, you know, might end up being the most disappointing. And it's like every year we're always wrong. Yeah. And it's, no, the, it's, par- the parody of this sport, regardless of Kansas City, which is definitely like, I think you, you said this earlier, pods we did in the past, and even today when we were talking, it's like they are the current Patriots. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like the Patriots dynasty because throughout yeah. the entire year, especially in recent years, there is so much parody across this league. And the biggest thing is, I mean, you and I know this well, Brandon, we have it on our calendars every year and we do podcasts. We have 23 weeks and that's it. You know, 23 weeks goes by, you know, it it goes by when you're, when you're constantly doing this week after week after week. And, and that's the difference is like when we get to like, what is this now? Week 21, because I count the Pro Bowl week or whatever week we are at at this point. I don't remember with the 18 game schedule. It's not that I care to do the math at this time, but like I it's probably really easy anyway. <laughs> but it, I, it doesn't feel the same. Like even when we talk about the Super Bowl, there's still a lot more of attention on the pageantry of the game a little bit, you know, so mm-hmm. there's that, too. And then Taylor Swift is going to add to that this year, uh, which we'll get to. But oh, Jesus. Um, but uh, let's let's get to the games. Um, Ravens, what was that? That, uh, you know, when you know, we have, you know, every year. Right. Again, more more going back in the history of this podcast or even this one this year, since we've just started this this year. I mean, we would have weeks where we would look at a team and go, maybe it was week five, week six of a regular season, right? We would look at that and go, that was a bad performance, but it's week five, it's week six. It happens to the best of these teams, and they they kind of find their way to rebound over the course of the year. The Ravens played an NFC title game like it was NFL week five. Yeah. And I'm really... I, I don't even know what's the right word. I'm confused. I'm lost about how a team that we said, I think for the last six weeks, I definitely said the last six weeks was clearly the best team in this entire league played the most awful game I've ever seen out of a championship team. And at least since I was maybe 12 or 13, and I get it. Look, we've had blowouts in NFC and AFC title games, but this just feels worse than that. Yeah. 
I, what's your perspective on it? I mean, I mean, look, both of these teams collapsed today and, you know, the Lions coming up here, but the Ravens one was almost somewhat more disturbing for me just because I was like, why does this not feel like a conference title game? This feels like an NFL week five game with a team that's just lost control for a week. But you did it in yeah. probably the most important game of your life. If you're Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers as a young player, like I, I, I'm really stunned by it. I, I, I mean, just watching the game—it's weird. Usually, even when a team is struggling in in a big playoff game, especially when when you know they're the better team, is like usually that that switch flips. Usually, that second gear comes on, and they're like. Oh wait, we're playing a big game, and it's like you 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 can see a switch flip. It was it just felt like the Ravens were going through the motions. Yeah, in this yes, game. yeah. You could even I, I'm going to be honest. You could even say that felt like a preseason game for them. Yeah, I like I, I didn't you know I'm you know and it was like a tale of well not even a tale of two halves. Like in the first half, defense struggled a little bit, but they were still kind of, you know, they were giving their offense a chance. Second half, you held the Chiefs to, you shut them out in the second half, you held them to zero points. The The offense was just sleepwalked, but the, the problem is the offense the entire game from, from the first snap on offense to the last snap was just sleepwalking. Perfect explanation, it was, yeah. I, I, I'm watching that game. And I like I'm saying to my grandfather, I'm like, what are these play calls? This is not the same play calling the Ravens. It, it didn't even feel like that. It it did not feel like we like like we were just saying. It doesn't feel like we were watching the same team that we've been seeing dominate for at least the second half of the season. It 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 felt like exactly like you said. It felt like a preseason game, or I mean, it even felt like an early season game where it was just like this team. It felt like they were still trying to figure out what they wanted to what their identity was. And it's like. I don't get. I mean, you knew the Chiefs' defense was good, but I, here we are figuring. Oh, you know, Lamar Jackson is the the MVP. You know, probably he's going to win the MVP. You know, you figure, you know, that offense is going to click. Zay Flowers was coming on strong. You know, Lamar Jackson's a a true true dual threat in every sense of the of the term. You know, you figured that, especially with that electric defense, they were going to fly to the ball, make plays, and. None of it happened. I mean, the defense wasn't none bad, of it, and, that, and, and I want to emphasize this: none of it happened. Zero, nothing. It it, 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 it almost felt like even when, like even when the, the Ravens were down by one score. I mean, they, they were for most of this game, but even when they were down seven nothing, it felt like the game was over already. Yes, I think middle it, of the second I, I quarter. I think middle of the second quarter, I sit there and go. Yeah, the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. This is done. Th- there's no way. Yeah. I, I like, and the thing is too, if you're the Ravens and you're going into halftime and you were down seventeen to seven, and you should have been down by more, and, or you even could have been at least tied at that point, like you should have been. You at least should have kept that game close, at least with how many chances your offense even had in the first half. But it, and the thing is, it could have been worse if 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 the Chiefs capitalized a little bit more. So either either way, it could have been really bad, like really worse, or it could have been closer. But even where at, even where it was at seventeen to seven was still pretty bad for the Ravens. But you know, you think you go into that locker room, 
and you're telling your team because you, you have to make adjustments. You only scored seven points in at a, in a home game and you know, NFC title game. You know, you've yeah. you've got to make some sort of adjustments, and it felt like they never did. Yeah, uh, it felt like it felt like they, they just went back out there in the second half and figured, hey, we're going to turn this around. We'll just keep doing what we're doing, and it's fine. And then the the first sign where I or I shouldn't say the first sign. It might have been it might have been earlier than that, but it, one of the biggest troubling signs and. Everybody knows how much I hate this from watching the Eagles play this year, but that third and nine earlier in the game where they ran a screenplay and it and it got and the wide receiver screen and it got knocked down at the line of scrimmage as Lamar is getting ready to throw it, you know, across the field pretty much. I'm watching that and I'm like, that doesn't seem like a championship play call. Yeah, in that situation. Yeah, that that did not. It did, like, and and the thing is, like, the the way the offense, like, not even just the play calling, even the players executing the plays, it felt. I mean, for lack of a better term, it felt half-assed. I think that's it a fair point. Felt, yeah, like, like it's it's like I'm watching and I'm like, where who where's the effort coming from? I don't see any effort from anybody on this field. I see the Chiefs flying to the ball, trying to make plays on defense, which they did, you know, shutting down the Ravens. And then it's like, and then the, 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 the most alarming thing, I think, for me from the Ravens today, well, but, I mean, I, I think it's Lamar not looking. I mean, listen, we, we know that, that the MVP is regular season awards. He's going to win it. But it's, he did not look anything like an MVP today. I, I've never like people are like, oh well, the O you know the O line wasn't great today. No, it wasn't great for for the Ravens. But there was plenty, plenty of opportunities that Lamar had five to seven seconds in that pocket, clean pocket, and he got happy feet and either s- sailed a lot, a few passes, threw a few out of bounds, took some bad sacks, didn't trust his legs to 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 run when he had a bunch of green grass in front of him to get first downs. Uh, it looked like he was shook, and and, and that's and something. Was, and, and that's something I want to comment on, which I think is the the this is the most important thing the Chiefs did. That if you're the Niners going into the Super Bowl, we can interject some of the Super Bowl thoughts in here because it, it you know connects well enough. If, if when you looked at that matchup, and I was thinking, okay, what am I taking away from the Chiefs in this game? Not only were they flying to the ball, like you said. They just said, you know, Lamar's going to run. Screw it. We're going to keep attacking him. Keep going in different gaps. The left gap, the right gap, the A gap, Mm -hmm. the B gap, the C Mm -hmm. gap, whatever you want to say. We're just going to keep going at him until he gets flustered and uncomfortable. And even if we give up big plays, Mm -hmm. and and look, they did give up big plays. And if, if if this Ravens offense was anything of semblance of their normal self, this game would have gone a lot differently. But I think they felt, at least especially middle of the second quarter, they felt, look, this team's not themselves. We can go attack the ball. We can give up big plays because we trust our offense to move down the field. They didn't end the second half. That's a problem in itself. But they were like, we can trust our offense to get down the field. Let's just go to the ball and attack. And we Mm -hmm. saw with Brock Purdy today, like if you look at what the Chiefs are going to, what the Chiefs game plan is going to be on defense against Brock Purdy, they're essentially going to do the same thing. And yeah, that's it's, where it's going to be, it's gonna be like a heavy blitz. Does. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be blitz heavy. I mean, look, uh, Steve Spagnuolo, he brought the pressure today. And I mean, he's he's been a great defensive mind for years in this league. 
he he's seen it all. He's seen guys like Michael Vick come in and disrupt the game. He's obviously seen Lamar Jackson now a bunch of times. He's played against Jalen Hurts. He's seen Russell Wilson. He's seen guys that can both throw the ball and be dynamic running it. And what's he done every time? He's changed the the look of a blitz. He's he's had guys you know attacking different different parts of the field to to kind of throw off a QB's vision, make them second guess themselves, unsure of where they're going to throw. You know that split second decision between you know for a quarterback between looking from one read to another because their first read that was supposed to be there is no longer there is it's a difference between winning and losing a ball game and when you can dial up pressure heavily which he does and then do it in different ways and do it in different ways yeah and it can continually you know disguising it to make it just look like something different every time that's a defensive genius and and i mean listen steve spagnuolo gave me nightmares uh for years because i mean we we all know wherever he's gone in his career he's been great um you know there's there's a reason why this guy's a three-time you know super bowl champion and i mean he gave me i mean he wasn't there long but you know boy did he give the eagles plenty of fits when he played against us in the nfc east um but i I, you know that 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 defense today i mean you know gotta give credit where credit's due listen lamar jackson should have played better lamar should have had a way better game he's an mvp for a reason you know it's it's still on him but that defense and what Steve Spagnuolo did today is just absolutely phenomenal. They every single, and if you look at every single, almost not every play, but Lamar Jackson didn't have a lot of open options. So I don't really blame him for, for, for at least that part, but he's not going to make plays happen because you're an MVP quarterback, but like sticky coverage, the DBs were all over the wide receivers. And those are some, those are some fast wide receivers. Zay flowers, OBJ can still make plays. Mark Andrews is a great tight end. They you still had Isaiah Likely. Like you had, still had Isaiah Likely yeah. in dual tight end packages. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they 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 were stuck on them like glue. Lamar really didn't have anywhere to go with the ball, and even I mean, even when he did, he didn't trust it because what the Chiefs were throwing at him was was different every time, and it worked every time. So yeah. it's it's wild just to see how well they they played against him today. It was it was good on their part. Do you agree that this is probably the biggest key for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Is doing something, uh, pretty much doing the exact same thing to Brock Purdy? Yeah, because you know what? What did I say during this game too? When the Lions were, you know, actually playing well against him, when they were getting pressure on Brock Purdy. I mean, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they brought this up on the broadcast, not just today, but in at multiple points throughout the season. Brock Purdy is one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure. This is something Shane has been preaching about, by the way, on this show for weeks. Weeks! Like, you know, like we always talk about the simple concept of getting pressure on the quarterback. Every quarterback is going to struggle under pressure. That's not necessarily true. If you look look at the NFL, there are some quarterbacks that are way better under pressure than not. Brock Purdy is near the bottom or at the bottom when it comes to basically making plays under pressure. So if you can collapse that pocket quick on him, which the chiefs can absolutely do the guy, you know, Carl Loftus, Chris Jones, you know, that front seven's phenomenal. So if, if you can, I mean, so is the Niners, but, but more so for the chiefs, if they're going to win this game coming up, they have to get pressure on, on Lamar Jackson. Like they, they, they're going to have to do that with Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy's not going to pressure when the lions did get pressure on him. It led to an interception 
It led to a bunch of errant throws. It led to just uh, Brock taking a split second and not really trusting his reads. All those things is what got Detroit out to a, a fast start. I mean, eventually it crumbled, but it, I mean, and that, and that's because the pressure also didn't get home at all towards the end, too. It's a big part of it. So if the Chiefs are going to beat Brock Purdy and the Niners and slow down that offense, the whole key is pressure. It sounds so basic. A lot of teams, you know, that's one thing you have to, you, you have, to have a good defense. You have to have good pressure. But especially for this case, that's what the Chiefs have to rely on because I, their offense just can't keep up with the Niners. That's not going to happen. I mean, they should have lost to the Ravens. They only, they only scored 17 points and got shut out in the second half. They, they did nothing offensively. Um, but that defense has been rock solid, if not great, all season long. So Yeah, which I think is that's, a, gonna that's be, also a big surprise for us from what we said preseason compared to right now Yeah, with where the Chiefs are. Yeah. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you're you're on you're on DefCon five. You're on b- alarms blinking all over that building. Same crap mm-hmm. every year, but this one feels worse. This mm-hmm. one feels like last year. It was kind of like okay, you know, we can reset. We can pay Lamar. We can get him receivers. You did all of that. His attitude, his preparedness was better. Clearly this year, that was something he said, the coaches said. And you still didn't get it done. And I don't really count Houston because we, we love what Houston did this year. But, you know, I don't think anyone expected Houston to win that game. But, like, th- yeah. it's it's th- this is the same thing that's happened every, every time, except this is the AFC title game, which is a little bit better, but it's not that better or it's not that much better. What are you going to do? What does your offseason plan look like to... Because, yeah, I think this team can still get back here, but are you really certain that this team is good enough to make it... Just make it to a Super Super Bowl period? That's the question with this team going into the offseason is we failed in a place where... I You can go ahead and speak on this more than I can, but in a place where they had their best chance to win a Super Bowl under Lamar Jackson. And they basically blew it and yeah i just don't know how they reset from here what's the reset button look like your there's alarm bells all over that building the entire offseason this is not a good place to be in if you're baltimore it's it's scary because you know how talented your defense is you know how talented you know, it, it 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 feels like we're having. It feels. I mean, I hate to say this because I I, I like Baltimore as a team, um, but it, it feels like you're entering Dallas Cowboys territory. A little bit. Where? Yeah. Where? You know. No, go ahead, Rob. No, no. I'm, I'm just gonna say a little bit. Yeah, it does feel like the Cowboys. I'm just I'm just affirming your point. It really does. It feels like the AFC's version of the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have a great, talented quarterback, regular season, you know, God, pretty much, you know, at like Dak, like especially this year, similarities are glaring. I mean, like they're 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 pretty striking. You know, Dak and Lamar both at both at the top of the MVP race, more or less. You know, both having great seasons. Both teams found their stride late in the season. Uh, well, not so much Cowboys. Cowboys and the Eagles were going back and forth for the division, but Cowboys were still. 
you know, you get the Cowboys came into the playoffs with a division title. You know, they, they were feeling confident about themselves. Like, you know, Ravens were, were, you know, sitting there, you know, like we, we know, we know Lamar Jackson doesn't lack confidence and we know that defense was great. So they would doubt you had a great defense for 90% of the season. It, you know, both, both teams have experienced head coaches. Both teams have a head coach that has won a Super Bowl. It's just, but uh, Lamar Jackson in big games is like Dak Prescott. He doesn't show up. And, and it's just, it's sad because we, I, listen, as much as I don't like Dak Prescott, I know he's talented. It's, and Lamar Jackson, I like him a lot. I know he's talented. It's just, uh, but the Ravens are in this kind of holding pattern now where it's just, they're just, it, it feels like, you know, where do you go from here? If you're like the Cowboys and we say, oh, you know, the Cowboys ceiling is the divisional round, right? It's like, well, the Ravens ceiling is the AFC title game. And, and it used to just be the become, wild card round for God's sakes. At least they went yeah, up a couple like, rounds. Like, yeah. It's like, at least it went up a couple, but now, now you're stuck in this pattern where what, Lamar has been their quarterback since, so uh, 2018, 19. And it's like, yeah. They've they've made the divisional round how many times? What twice? Three times? Or three Lost times? in the wild card so, round a couple times there too. This is your first AFC title, and it still feels the same. Just feels like a wild card yeah. round. It's it's just like it, it. I mean, I mean, I I don't understand. Just it, it like it's just like the I mean the Cowboys. I understand because we're so used to them choking in the playoffs. I mean we are, but the Ravens. It's like. It's funny how nobody noticed this before this game that that the Ravens can't get to a Super Bowl. And I I didn't hear anybody talking about this before this game. And then I, when I when I was sitting there watching this game, I'm like, wait a minute, this is the same problems they've been having in the playoffs for years now. So I'm like, okay, this this is strange. And then by the end of it, I was just like, wow, they feel like the AFC, just, just like you said, they feel like the AFC version of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they don't have, you know, a thousand rings like the Cowboys do, but it's, uh, but they, they feel like they're so talented to not get to that elusive title to that Super Bowl title. And it's like, it, it's just like, if you're fans of that team or, you know, both those teams, but especially like now with the Ravens, knowing that you have, you know, that you're expecting to be there, especially this season. You can't feel happy about this at all. You've got to feel like, wow, this is another massive letdown. And it's, it's like a nightmare. How much? It's yeah, a nightmare. And how much more do they have? How much more do they have to go through before they finally break through? It's like, I don't know where they really go from here because where do you go from here? You know? Yeah, and look, different contracts are going to come up. And look, we said it for years. Part of their problem is that they didn't have receivers. This is the best mm -hmm. receiver core Lamar has ever had. And it only helped them get maybe a couple rounds better. That's it. That's nothing, mm -hmm. Brandon. That's nothing. When they actually yeah. have Zay Flowers, they have Odell Beckham, which actually, surprisingly, I think for both of us, considering what we said at the beginning of the year, that was a great move. He was actually a great fit there. Mm -hmm. Good tight end play by both of the tight ends this year. They never had a problem with their tight ends this year. I, bro, like they they were good. They, that receiving core was good. Lamar had his receivers. Lamar had his running backs, regardless of injuries, which continue to hurt them or continue to hurt that room more than anyone else in the entire league. They still yeah. find a way. So they still found a way here and. 
I don't know. Two rounds better is nothing. It 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 it's a it's an unsuccessful season by a long stretch. You know, you know what it feels like? It it, it feels like you know, like we compare this to obviously the Cowboys failures because that's what it mostly feels like. I'm not just trying to pick on the Cowboys, but that's what it mostly resembles. And it's it's like, you know, you look at it, it's like with the Cowboys, it's like, okay, you know, we're we're ready for the playoff, we're you know, we're ready for the playoff choke. It's like the Ravens, it's like it almost feels like it takes the wind out of you more because you're just expecting them to finally take the next step. Because and this year because this year they have the talent. In previous yeah, years, th- yeah. in previous years, they didn't have it in the same way. This team was yeah. the most talented, most Super Bowl ready team in the playoffs, and they did this. That's what makes it disturbing. This team had everything going their way, and it means nothing. Mm-hmm. What do you do from there? And the answer is, I don't know. I really yeah, don't know. It, 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 I don't think either of us really know. And it's, you know what, you know what this game felt like too, just to kind of put a bow on this. Remember early in the season, we were like, this team still feels like, you know, it's just their game plan is go Lamar, go. That's what this game felt like. Very it was much just go so. Lamar, yep. go. Yeah. Like it was, it, it was like, no, you have to play the way you played leading up to this point, especially when you got hot late in the season, they were playing great team football it was i mean listen he was the catalyst for it but it wasn't just him but early in the season when they were still struggling it was just him they were still trying to figure it out and then when they did it it clicked and then they got hot and then this game just felt like forget all that we're gonna go back to having lamar be our superman and it it's you know it's what's bit it's what's bit the bills in the behind you know for me saying you know go josh allen go and it's like okay, now the now it's the Ravens' turn. It's like go Lamar, go all all the time, and you know it's like I I just can't believe that they just it's it's not even like they under underperformed is not even the word. It's not it's they, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, it's and and look, I think it's fair to compare who had the worst loss of the day. The Lions will get to, but I feel more perturbed about the Ravens. I feel yeah. more disturbed by it. And the reason why I feel more disturbed by it is because when I look at the Lions, I'm like, look, regard- they overachieved anyway. This team is going to be fine. Yeah. There's going to be some problems, and we'll get to Dan Campbell and everything, but this team's going to be fine. The, 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 the Lions are in year one of this team being a contender. They're going to be a contender for a bit longer. We're talking about Super Bowl windows. The Ravens won... You could make an argument this game closed it shut, or at least close to it, because I don't know where they're going to go from here, and that's where I'm more perturbed and more upset about it. Because I'm I'm genuinely I think I'm genuinely upset about it because I can't look at that roster and say that that roster shouldn't have been in that Super Bowl in Vegas in two weeks, but they won't be, and I still can't I I still sit there and go. The Chiefs were fine. Their defense was excellent, and that's all they needed. All they needed was to play basic, everyday football to win in an AFC title game. That doesn't make sense to me, but it happened. Yeah. It, like, yeah, it's just, you know, 
it's almost like the song it all up. It's like it's like bringing it bringing it full circle. It just feels like it was a week four or five game, or a preseason it's, game. It's, it feels like maybe yeah. both of those things simultaneously. And I yeah. and again, yeah. I'm going to say this one more time, and then we'll go on to to Lions Niners. I have never seen a team in a championship game play worse than the Ravens played today. We've seen blowouts in title games, mm-hmm. but. And I get that, but this feels so much different. This feels so much worse. This feels this feels almost unrealistic, but it, it's just uh, it's unbelievable. It is the of all my years watching football heavily since I was like twelve years old, which I get it isn't very long. That is the single worst title game performance I've ever seen. The Lions, on the other hand, I don't know how more unlucky you can get. Uh, and, and and their problems, and we're going to get to them, but that that first half was the most beautiful first half you could ever play in a title game, actually, if you're Detroit. And then the craziest, the literal craziest amount of absolute shit happened from Brandon Ayuk's crazy catch to fumbles to... A bunch of just bizarre things, which, you know, in title games can't happen. Bizarre things happen. But the real conversation with Detroit is the four down calls for Dan Campbell. And I think I, I had in the back of my mind, and I don't know if you said it or Shane said it. I think we may have all said it when the Lions made the wildcard round. We said, if anything's going to hurt this team in the playoffs, it's what it's if the fourth down risk doesn't work and it mm-hmm. didn't work today and also yeah we can debate it all we want dan campbell doesn't hate the calls look it's dan campbell he trusts his team to make plays i get it and i was like i was expecting it anyway but i mean just the momentum shift was so drastic from the first half to the second half it was unbelievable to watch with my own two eyes uh, but what are your thoughts on kind of how that game went and and the fourth down calls by Dan Campbell? You know, when I <clears throat> like, I mean, listen, I'm I'm sure. I mean, me and you were to a degree, and I'm you know, but I I knew in the back of my mind, I'm like, at the at the end of that first half, I'm like, I still listen. I love the Lions are, are smacking them down, but this is this is the Niners. I'm like, yeah, you already know that. That 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 you have to if you're not up on them by at least thirty at halftime, the game's not over. They're gonna find a way to come. They're gonna find a way to come back. And and that was so, the thing. And that was the thing too. I was looking at that score, and I was like, at at the end of the first half, and I was like, if this is almost any other football team, this game is over. But yeah. I never felt that. At, even at all in that first half, I was like, this game's not over, is it? And we were right. <laughs> In probably the it's, most it's insane like, fashion ever, but yeah. And you know what's crazy? It's like, you know, we always look back at, at you know, two or three plays that decide, or two or three moments, especially in the second half of games that decide a game. Like, it took the Lions to literally screw up every single drive in succession. Not 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 just one here, one there, like, you know, start kind of a, you know, having a choppy kind of go of it in the second half. Every single drive in that second half had something go wrong for the lions that cost them that game. Yeah. Every single drive, both on offense and defense, both sides of the ball, 
every single drive had something go wrong. I've never seen that in a football game where every drive went wrong in, the <laughs> in a half. half and you're up and you're up by what I would consider would be a metric ton on a normal Sunday. Like you would like the worst part of it is in, because it's astonishing. I mean, when it's the Niners, it's not astonishing, but when it's, it's still astonishing regardless. 27 unanswered points. That's how the game finished. 27. 27. And, you know, we can say they lost by three. They really lost by 10 because the Niners defense was just playing prevent in that last two or three minutes. Um, But just, I mean, I I listen, even, even when the game was within a score, when it was 24 to 17, I'm like, Okay, but the Niners still haven't showed that they can like you know that was a, a, one bad break for the Lions was the was the fourth with the fourth and two, with with Josh Reynolds dropping that ball and I and I'm sorry, I know people are gonna say he should have kicked it there. I like the call. You were dominating the game until that point. And not only that, he you totally should have caught it. I, and yeah, and I, it was he a totally should have caught it. Yeah. It, it was extremely catchable. It hit him right in the hand. Like, listen, people can say the throw, the throw could not really have been that much better. It, it was pretty good. Yeah, it hit Josh Reynolds in the hands. It's fine. It, it should have been caught. Everything about that was and, fine. Yeah. And and the worst part about it is Josh Reynolds is on the sideline, laughing about it. To, to he's trying one of to get it because he's, tra- he's trying to get out of his head, but then he drops like two more I, crucial balls later in the game. And. When, whenever you see a a, a player you know, like laugh about a play, about a big play like that, that's how you can see that their confidence is rattled. Yeah, they're that, scared. That, they're worried about it. Yeah. And and right then and there, when I saw him laugh on the sideline, I'm like, "Yep, yeah, this thing is not going to end well for the Lions." And then right after that, the you know, Niners take advantage because it's a fourth down stop for them. Take advantage, go down the field, score a touchdown. Listen, and listen, it's like. The offense had its problems. They couldn't. They could not score at all for for that whole last quarter and a half, or quarter and almost three quarters. Yeah. Um, and and but here's the thing: your defense. It wasn't like you were turning the ball. Oh, I mean, listen. Outside of that Jameer Gibbs fumble, they weren't really turning the ball over in bad spots. The defense has to get a stop, man. But You've we knew that. Tackle. But we knew they weren't going to get stops. That's another thing. We and, knew at half. And we knew at half. Like, like we watched this man. team closely. We've said this week after week after week. This Lions team against the Niners, if they don't run up the score and run it up fast, you know what's funny? I I said this to you. Hey, this is actually really hilarious because now I'm thinking about it. I think it was middle of the third quarter. I said to you, I was like, this reminds me of Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather. Do you remember that fight? The first three, four rounds, Connor's just like, I am going to swing at him. I am going to try to knock him out. But then Floyd with his rope-a-dope, like the Niners, a little rope-a-dope stuff, evaded as much as he could and then ended up winning the fight in round 10 because he wear him out. And I, it's very ironic, but that this, this Lions Niners game is Connor Floyd Mayweather. It literally is. Yeah. And it and it's and um, yeah, but I, but yeah, definitely like the the Lions just their defense. We said it all year; it wasn't going to keep up with the Niners, or we said it last week. But they couldn't. Not even could they keep up with the Niners. They couldn't keep up with anybody. 
for almost the entire year. And, and we knew that was going to be a problem. It ended up biting them. But I uh, continue. It's and it's I like. I did not like. I mean, it, it just outside of the game itself. I didn't like the vibes on Detroit's sideline when they went up even even by two scores when it was 20 to 7 and CJ Gardner Johnson's waving goodbye to the fans. Bro, it's it's a, it's a little past the halfway point of the second quarter. Who the hell are you waving to? <laughs> the, the game's, game's not over. Like, the game's I, not I over. Care. Like I don't care if you were up two scores on the Giants or the Niners. The game's never over on, and, on a two-score lead. And, what the and, hell are you doing? And by the way, this is something that I don't think NFL teams understand. That, especially here locally in Seattle, we kind of understand this pretty well uh, because of that Broncos Super Bowl. If you remember that Seahawks-Broncos Super Bowl, the Seahawks basically never let off the gas that entire game. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they were just like, this is, this is Denver. Like, anything can happen. And that's the thing. Anything can happen in the playoffs. Anything yeah. can happen. Any weird turn can happen. Anything can happen. The best teams, the most experienced teams know that. Uh, and that's why the Super Bowl partially is the Niners and the Chiefs, two teams that been there, done that. But again, yeah. like like my thing too, from the Lions perspective is it's 24-24. You're kicking, they're kicking back to you at 24-24. If you're Dan Campbell, if you're Brian Johnson, you're, or, uh, be, or yeah, uh, Ben Johnson, my bad. I always confuse the two of them. Oh, if don't, don't, get, don't give me those nightmares again. <laughs> if, if you're the DC, if you're anybody on that staff, you're bringing that team together on the sideline and saying, okay, guys, you got a quarter left. It's 0-0. Play like it's 0-0. Why don't teams do that? <laughs> like, that's I, the, that's I, that's the reality. Much- it's play like it's 0-0 and you have a quarter left. Because that's what you it is. Funny that, it's 0-0. That ran through my mind. That ran through my mind, too. I was like, okay, I know the Niners have a bunch of momentum, but this game's not over. You it's, have tied. it's, zero, it's, zero. Tied. it's zero, zero. it's 0-0. It's 0-0. It's 0-0 with a quarter left. That's what it was. But but you know what it was, too? You could just see, like, once the game, literally once the Niners got within a score, once it became 24, because even at 24-10, the momentum really wasn't changing. But... Once it once they got that that drop from Josh Reynolds and it it turned the game on its head and then they scored the touchdown, Detroit's body language, their all their confidence was gone. Their body language was off. There was no fire on the sideline. And I that's didn't see why, Dan and Campbell that's, really good. And that's why I think they didn't make the second fourth down call. Right when they went when yeah. they decided against that forty eight yarder, a big reason why that was a mess was because that team just didn't feel like it partially. Like so much of the playoffs and, is momentum, so much of it, and this game yeah. is a perfect example of it. And I, that's exactly what I told you. And in that moment, I said, "I don't like them. I do not like them going for that there because you don't have any momentum." And the thing is, you needed to at least put points. I mean, listen, you should have scored a touchdown on that drive, but knowing that your offense was stalling out at that moment in time, it doesn't take much for a coach to say, "Okay." Go kick the field goal. There's seven minutes left in this game. If we just get a stop, we can go win this game with another another field goal. And it's like, and then, and I, I know people want to say, oh well, you know, Dan Campbell doesn't trust his kicker because you know, you know, Badgley has that history of I mean, not this season. This season he's actually really good. He's really good but, this year. Really good. Had a but, great year. But he had, but he, but he didn't really make a lot of kicks from fifty plus or close to fifty. You know, fifty. So they were, you know, they were uneasy about his field goal range. I'm like, I don't care. 
the high percentage play in those situations is to kick a field goal. And yeah. at least to guarantee no, ma- no matter what the math a- no matter what the math is, momentum's different than math. They don't compute. Yeah. They're different. You know, and I, and I and I know the whole new school way of thinking is to go for it on fourth down, but you don't have to, like but you the problem is too and this is this affects all sports, not just football. That analytics has become too much a part of the game and we've lost game feel and game flow. When when, yes, when you I think you're yeah, that's one thing. As much as I love analytics, I think we've definitely lost the idea of game flow. For sure. Yeah. I, I think we've definitely like, lost that place. Like when I'm looking at like Dan Campbell, I'm like, I, I don't care. Like and everybody's like, oh, well, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna live by the sword, die by the sword. That's what got them there to this point was all their aggressive play calls and how you know ballsy Dan Campbell was. But okay, that's all that's all well and good. But those play calls are okay if you're you know if you're up by a score and you know you can get them or like 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 the first fourth the first fourth and two I had no problem with that you were up by two scores you were up, you were up by fourteen points in the third quarter I have no problem with that call because if Josh Reynolds just has doesn't have bricks for hands they probably score a touchdown on that drive and then it's not over but at least at that point you would have had a great chance of winning because at some point even if the Niners come back you probably would have had a chance to win it at the very ending with a field goal probably. So it, it's like, I'm fine with that call. The second fourth down call makes no sense because you have no momentum. You don't have any rhythm, not just momentum in the game, but in terms of the score. But you have no rhythm on offense. You were choppy. You know your defense is worn out, and you're putting them in a bad position if you turn the ball over to give momentum to the Niners offense to finish the game, which they eventually did. And, you know, that's where game feel is important as a coach. And it's, it's like, and the crazy thing is the worst part about it is I can see if he hesitated, at least I can see him making the case if he hesitated and then said, okay, we're going to go for it here. Cause I want to win this game. There was no hesitation. How do you not even hesitate in that moment to like, I, I mean, I, I don't get just saying F it. We're going to, we're just going to go for it every single fourth and three or less, or no, even fourth and five or less. It's like, you know, I get the analytics always says go, but you got to realize playoffs are a different animal. The teams rise to the occasion in the playoffs, both defenses and offenses rise to the occasion in the playoffs. It becomes a way different atmosphere than week six in the NFL. And you're going for it on fourth and two in a one score game. And, and you know, it's, it's way, it's a way different feel. So I wish Dan Campbell would have thought with his brain instead of his balls for once. <laughs> because if you kick the five, listen, I, I, I know Badgley's had his struggles in his career from that kind of range, but you're better off kicking the field goal there because Badgley has been great all season. So you trust your kicker. And the thing is, if he makes that kick, which he, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's gone now, but if he makes that kick, which he more than likely would have, it's a one score or actually it's a tied game. And now you're putting pressure on the Niners offense to not really run the clock out. But you have to score to win the game. So I don't, I just don't get, and then the fourth and three play call, I, like, I mean, I get that you have to throw the ball there because you were getting stuffed on the run, especially late. And you know what? You know what? That's another problem that I think no one's going to talk about. In the second half, because in the first half, they were, the Niners D was not stopping the run at all. They were not stopping the run one bit. They were getting. Gashed by Gibbs and by Montgomery. Yep. What they do in the second half? 
shut them down completely. And I feel like once once the Lions lost the ability to control the clock by running the ball and they had to start throwing it more, and now you're playing into what member the Niners had the number one, what was the number one pass defense in the NFL. So when you're playing into their strength at that point, there's the momentum shift. There's where the confidence starts going. That's where guys' knees start getting shaky. That's and so you could just see the momentum shift because once the run started started to get just shut down, I knew that if the Lions were going to have to pass their way out of this game, it wasn't going to work. And I, and and that's it's listen. I'm on Ross St. Brown's a god, but he can only do so much. And then Jamison Williams dropping a touchdown because he kind of slowed down halfway through his route. If he run, I mean, listen, if he runs through that route. The, the worst thing Goff can do is overthrow him or even, or I should say underthrow him, but it probably would have been a touchdown, but it, it, it still should be a touchdown. Anyway, it went right through his hands and I know I'm getting long winded, but the last thing I'll say about this game, if we, unless you bring up another good point is this is why we say every year, right? Playoff experience matters. matters. It matters, and look at the two teams that are on the Super Bowl. A rematch, Super Bowl Fifty Four. Why do you think? Why do you think? Playoff experience. Why do you think exactly? Why do you think? You know, it's, and you know, you look at. I mean, you know, it's. I look at those teams. Those are all guys involved. Like we said, been there, done that. Know what it takes to win. You know, listen. I know golf was in the Super Bowl at one point, and this game is not on him. He did everything he could in this game. Everybody around him failed him. Um, but Goff had an Josh incredible Reynolds, year. Goff had an MVP yeah. level year this year. Facts. Yeah. But but Josh Reynolds, no playoff experience. Amon Ross St. Brown, no playoff experience. None of the Lions, really, because the they Lions have been the Lions for, you know, since their existence. So they've never really been to the playoffs. No matter how good some of those players are. You know, Montgomery. Montgomery has like what, maybe a couple games playoff experience with the Bears, but it's really not a whole lot. And the Bears are, weren't good anyway, good enough to win anything. So it doesn't really kind of kind of doesn't matter. Plus, you had, you know, you're going to a new system in Detroit, which he had to you know go through. So that really doesn't count. You know, Gibbs, rookie. Amon Ross St. Brown, very young. Laporta, rookie. Uh, James Williams, basically, basically a rookie. So you know, it's 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 so tough when you are trying to win a playoff game with guys who haven't been there before and really listen, I know they know it's a big game, but they don't know what it takes to win a big playoff game. Uh, I should say, I should say an NFC championship game. Cause they did when they did have great games the, the other two weeks, but against, but the thing is you weren't playing the best team you could. You played the, what the bucks and you played the, the, Oh my God, the Bucks and um, uh, whoever it was. I'm, I'm blanking, but 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 yeah, uh, but either way, my point price still stands. You weren't playing, you know, a great team. Oh no, they played the Rams. Yeah, Rams. So you know, you beat and the, a Rams, team the, the Rams. The Rams overachieved this year, anyway. Yeah, they yeah, because nobody expected them to be like where they were, but um, but. So when you look at that, the best team that you could have faced and you knew you were going to face them was the Niners. But when you were going on, remember, and both those games for Detroit were at home. When you're going on the road in a in a tougher environment, I mean, it's a warmer environment, but 
a tough environment on the road in Santa Clara, and you have a team that is stacked top to bottom, I and mean, Lions are too, but they're young, but stacked top to bottom with veterans outside of Brock Birdie, stacked top to bottom on both sides of the ball, and you know that what you're up against is not really in your favor. You've got to know and dig down deep and know what it takes to win a playoff game. And these, I mean, they're kids. They're our age. They don't know what it took. And you saw it on display tonight. You know, James Williams missing a touchdown. Uh, You know, Josh Reynolds having stone hands. Jameer Gibbs had a fumble. You know, like the only, I mean, Laporta was, was, was good. Actually, he actually showed up. He had a great playoff day, you know, a great NFC championship game debut for a rookie, especially for a rookie tight end. He, he was great today. Um, but the only ones that really, really showed up for the Lions was Jared Goff and D- D- David Montgomery. I mean, Gibbs had a good game, but the fumble was what hurt it. Yeah. Um, but Montgomery and and Jared Goff, those are the two guys. Remember, they're the they're basically the oldest veterans you have on that side of the ball. So right, I think they actually are the oldest veterans on that side of the ball, if I'm not mistaken. So it, those are the guys that that know what it takes, more or less. They've had playoff experience. The rest of them have not. So, and they they did their part. So it, it sucks to see what the Lions went through. You overachieved, but if also if you're a Lions fan too, like the best way I can describe this game in one word is bittersweet, because it's it's sweet because of what you achieved this season. Nobody thought you'd even get here, but it is bitter because you were literally one half away from getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And and you were and you were face. up three scores. It's a it's a really tough pill to swallow. And and again, we're talking about what those buildings are gonna feel like in the offseason. Baltimore is different. Detroit is also gonna have a bit of fire in them in that building. In that city next year for sure. Without a question. Yeah, it definitely it stings. It really does. It, it really stings. Uh, what are your what are your what's your main key for the Niners to win the Super Bowl? I just think. I mean, listen, I've said it for what like a, a few weeks now, even before the playoffs. And even Shane Shane has said this on the show. They can't get behind another again. Listen, you got behind no, the Lions, cannot. but it was you the can't. Line. You can't. Absolutely not. You're right. You, you can't, cannot. Not. Not. Not against the Chiefs. I don't think. Not against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Not no, 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 no. You are going up against a team that has won a Super Bowl. You have not. So, and not just one Super Bowl. They've won two. So, uh, you can't go down to the Chiefs like you did to the Packers and to the Lions, who should have, who quite frankly should have beat you, and they were the better team for most of the game. Both teams. So if you go down to the Chiefs again, the Chiefs are going to finish you off. They are going to finish you off. This, 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 is, this isn't like, you know, the Lions, you know, little kitty cat playing with the food or the Packers, you know, little, you know, the cheese heads, you know, just happy that they're there. No, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a reason why they're here, because even though their offense hasn't been great this year, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the new New England Patriots. This is the, the, the you, you cannot, cannot go down. I don't think you forget going down by two or three scores. I don't think you, you can even go down one score to the Chiefs. I, I think two or game. three is scary. I think you're you're treading in hot water. I really do. Yeah. Two touchdowns, yeah. you're treading in I, hot water for sure. Yeah. I, 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 I think you get, you start, I think you start to get a little bit worried if you come out the gates and you're down by a score early in the game. 
but yeah, if you go down, but then if you go down by two or three, oh, I, I don't, I don't think you come back at all. I don't, and, and not against that defense because remember the Packers defense wasn't great. Lions defense, we know they're not good, but the Chiefs defense, that's basically the mirror image of your own defense. Sticky, sticky DBs that make plays. Uh, great, great front seven. Constant pressure. You know, these two defenses mirror each other really, really well. They both have playmakers. Karloftis and Jones, mostly for the Chiefs. Uh, Legarius Sneed and, and then the secondary. Um, but they all, they all, but they all do well in their, in their own ways. You know, I mean, and then Fred Warner. Uh, uh, Chase Young. Yeah, yeah Hargrave, so. Jay Greenlaw. So it's like you got all those guys on the on that other side. So I mean, these teams, these defenses are insane. I don't, I really can't see this game being a shootout. Nah, That's for damn sure. I really can't. I really can't. I, I, uh, like, I'm not. I'm not. Like we're a, not going to do picks until until the NFL awards. I think I don't want to do picks this early because I think once if we do a pick, we're going to change our minds. In the next two weeks, yeah. uh, but we are going to do guess the opening line per ESPN bet. Uh, guess the opening line to the Super Bowl. Oh man, it's what's it's going to be by, really close. What's the number for this one again? Why am I forgetting? What is the number for this Super Bowl? Uh, what? It, the, uh, it's why am I? Why am I? I why am I being? Because I because I know it's in Vegas, it, and that's the only wait, thing I can think about. It is fifty. 57 or 58? I think it's... Why am I being such an idiot? I should know what it is, but I don't. Because <laughs> um, normally I would. Um, okay, this is 57. 57. Thank you, thank you. Jesus. Yeah, um, I knew it was either 57 I'm, or 58. I don't know. Because so, the, thing, yeah, the only thing that I think about is that this is a Super Bowl in Vegas, which is nuts in itself. Um, but yeah, I guess the line for ESPN, the opening line, I should say. Oh, good God. Um, actually, wait, let me make sure. I might have the wrong. I might have the wrong thing. Oh, no. This is 58. This is 58. Okay, 58. Okay, either okay. way. I just think about it in the fact that it's in Vegas. That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I know. We're being idiots oh, here. I'm sorry. I always mess up on Roman numerals. Yeah. Um, oh, God, man. I, I like. I cannot even. That's gonna be so close, given given the two defenses, given Mahomes against Purdy, given you know high high powered offense against you know Kelsey and and, and Mahomes um, and Taylor Swift. Ah. Yeah, and the guy. Yeah, the power of the Swifties against the power of the bandwagons. I'm sorry, Niners fans, <laughs> but there's a lot of bandwagons out there for you guys. Um, but I don't even want to. I really don't even want to guess the line or even make picks just because I hate these two teams with a passion. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but, it's but, oh, it's, it's, but you know what? It has to be so close because of just what these two teams bring to the table, though. And, uh, I think I'm listen. I know, I know, I know. People want to pick the Niners because they're the sexier pick, but the Chiefs have been there and they've won two of them, and they know, they know, they. If anybody knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl, it's them. Um, 
God, I'm going to say like Chiefs minus two. Niners. Yes, Niners minus one and a half. Oh, yeah, wow. I, I knew it had to Toasty. be. I, I knew it had to be somewhat close. That's the opening line. Yeah, and I, the thing is, we're, don't look. Try not to look at the lines if you do whatever. But when we get to next week, we'll do the lines again because they're definitely going to change. Uh, so we'll we'll do guess the lines uh, more uh, throughout the week because they Super Bowl lines change extremely drastically because there's two weeks. Okay, Brandon, your choice. What are we What are we doing for the po- first for post grad scenes? Are we doing my dating app rant? Or are we doing Booksmart? Uh, honestly, we can cram a lot into a post grad scene because we we have a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, what What do you want to do first, though? I guess is the question. Okay, we also have the cable guy, which me and you watched yesterday. Yes, we can talk about that um, as well. What What would you <laughs> like to do? I think we should do Booksmart and then mm-hmm. do the we should do the cable guy to end it. Just because that wasn't yeah, even our assigned yeah. movie. Yeah, kind of give like a like a little bit like a double a double feature for a post credits. Yeah, Not a yeah. Bad idea. So yeah, but yeah, go go ahead. Do, do your dating app rant. Let's 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 knock that out first. Okay, so these fine gentlemen, Brandon and Shane, have been pushing me for a couple months now to get on dating <laughs> apps. Um, I've been single my entire life. I have never gone on a date. I've never you know done anything relationship related as you guys know i am straight um but like i've never done anything relationship related ever i'm serious ever so this is new territory in itself for me uh i also feel like i'm probably in the best place to be in a relationship at this time i feel like i'm actually growing into an adult you know 24 25 coming or 24 coming up you know 25 and whatever two two years time i guess whatever a year's time um you know what I mean? So I feel like I'm in a good place for it. And, you know, whatever. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, let, let's give this a shot. And I've always had my reservations about it. And I was 100% right. <laughs> God damn, it's awful. It is... It, dating apps are crapshoot. They are awful. Yeah. And, it, and it's... And look... To those of you who found relationships on dating apps, which I'm sure there's a lot of you, considering our demographic listening to the show, I'm sure there's a lot of you who probably have. Good on you, right? I'm not good, right? I'm not talking about you. You're fine. You're good. You're in a relationship. You're fine, okay? I'm not talking about you. So, so leave me alone. I'm not talking about you. You're fine. I'm happy for you. You're good. I just want to preclude that, okay? If you're in a committed relationship, in a dating app and you're happy, great. I'm happy for you. I've seen it happen before. Great. You're good. I'm, I'm happy. I hope the same happens for both of us and Shane. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful, right? But, you know, that's that. I just want to put that out there, right? But it's just like, bro, it's... First off, all these dating apps have problems. In that the... The verified profile picture thing is dumb because it never works. And you'll never know who you meet. You might meet someone who's not 18 on a fucking dating app. And that's fucking awful and disgusting and disturbing. And you might meet someone who claims to be someone who isn't someone, which is also disgusting and disturbing. So the photo verification doesn't work. And I get it. We're responsible adults. We need to be responsible. 
I get it, but the apps need to do a better job. Verification, the photo verification thing doesn't work. And even that, I think, can be pretty fake very easily. And at the same time, the these apps are just like we say how this is very bizarre, but just like you know how we say like the NFL ultimately is a business, these dating apps are ultimately a business. They claim when you look at ads for Hinge, Bumble, whatever, Tinder, whatever the hell, they're like, oh, find your lifelong partner. No, find your lifelong partner maybe if you pay us 20 bucks a month. Pretty much. Like it's it's unbelievable how dating has gone to a place where it can actually be a viable business, but that's what this is. These apps are not really intended for you to find a relationship, even though they claim to be. And again, if you have, great for you. They are tend for you to have a dopamine rush, go through, swipe as much as you can, and maybe find somebody. And then you keep swiping, you keep swiping, and you're like, oh, I'm out of likes. Oh, I might as well just pay. And you pay more than a, you pay twice as much as a cup of coffee. And I get it. Look, some people are just like, I'll pay for a week and see how it goes. It's fine, right? I think a lot of people have done that. That's fine. But I don't think people understand that we are taking something like human beings going on dates and meeting people, the most classic romantic thing in our society, right? The most classic thing in our society and turning it into this, turning it into something that I can't believe I'm saying this reminds me like loot boxes in a video game. That sounds so awful, but that's how I feel about it. And it just makes me so upset. <laughs> I, I don't am I wrong? I probably and again that that seems very aggressive and I understand. But just think about it. These your your these apps are basically just trying to get you to pay for something to maybe work. And we're talking about real people here. Or mostly real people. Why are we doing this? <laughs> we are doing it, but why? Yeah. I honestly, I I think when it, when it comes to you know humankind, I I I think we're we're very masochistic. <laughs> what does that mean exactly? What do you mean by that? Basically, just like you know, testing our pain threshold. Like we we were like <laughs> kind of like the pain, um, <laughs> like because it's like. You know, the more the more you get sucked into these dating apps, it's just the more torture it really is for you in the long run, because, you know, you get sucked into trying to find the right person or like, you know, weeding out, you know, what's considered undesirable or bad people. I mean, when, you know, you can find a perfect 10 and they're the worst person on planet Earth. It's like, you know, you don't know anything about anybody even from a bio or from just some some words just in, there, bio, in there bios are just they're just writing they yeah. can be a completely different person yeah like it, it's like it's like <laughs> you can have someone write a simple bio as like you know i i, I like sports and, ha and have two dogs and it's like though the, the other person and then it's like you go to meet them and it's like oh yeah i actually like i'm into jewelry and fashion but i, I have two cats and it's like 
It's like, you know, that might not be a, that might, that might not be a massive lie, but it's like, that's still deceiving somebody <laughs> that thinks they're getting, you know what I'm saying? It, it's like, yes. You're still kind of, yes. You know, and it's, it's just you, like, Jesus. Do you, I understand this might seem like a bad point, but do you see what I mean by it reminds me of video games from a dopamine and pay perspective? It sounds so yeah. bad and I hate it, but do you get oh, yeah. what I'm saying? It's it, it's it, it, it's like playing two, it's like playing two K. You have all these microtransactions. It um, kind of, I, and but, I know that sounds awful, but I'm trying to prove a point. Just think about it. It sounds more similar than it is different. Yeah, and it, and it, and it does. You know, you're 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 basically you're basically paying. You're basically spinning to win. You know, spin to win. You're paying to win a game, more or less, because. You know, what it's is, the what bachelor. To do? That's another thing. It's the bachelor. It is yeah. the freaking bachelor, and you're the contestant weighing out a bunch of people that you don't even know are real. It's a it's a game. And, yeah, and they don't even know you're real. So <laughs> yes. Like, even if you a, verify, so are we actually sure that you're real? If you're verified, I don't know. Oh, I, I, and I, you know, they, they, they claim that like, you know, especially on these, on these new you know, dating apps nowadays, when they, when they do updates to the app, they claim that they like all the, all these new like safety features are keeping the apps, apps safe. And I'm like, you know how easy it is to hack that? I mean, listen, I've never done it. I don't know how to do it, but you know how easy it is nowadays in 2024 to hack stuff like that yes. and to change stuff around yes. and, and to, and to have it. And so like, so it's like, I could see a verified profile and they're like, oh yeah, this profile is verified. It means they're safe. I'm like. That doesn't mean jack shit. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I'm like, what, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, like this person has has four of the same picture on their profile, just from a different angle, so you know it's a bot. Because when they do that, it's usually a bot. And they'll be like, oh yeah, this person's verified. I can tell it's fake a mile away. Stevie Wonder can see it's fake. <laughs> like, come on, man. Don't don't give me that crap. Like that that's just ridiculous. Like I and, listen. I, and by the way, I'm being honest. <sighs> there are people on these apps that are fucking minors. What the fuck are yeah, we doing yeah. here? And and the the worst ones are the ones uh, like I see plenty of bows where it's like, oh yeah, it'll say like in a person's like picture in a possible. Oh yeah, like this person so so is you know 22, 23 years old. And they're like, and they're bow like, oh yeah, sorry, I'm like actually like. 19 but i didn't know how to how to you know fix fix the age what do you mean or worse i'm 19 but oh i'm actually 16 what the fuck oh yeah and it's like and it's like it's like okay wait a minute it's like first of all you shouldn't be on this because it's 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 only for 18 up for a reason yeah there's a reason for that it's called being safe you numb nuts yeah and on top of that, like I, I mean, listen, I'm old school. To me, like I, I know people nowadays that you know, kids date when they're in high school, when you're you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, whatever. But I, I'm old school. I don't think you should date until you get to college. I so, did try to. I asked uh, people out, but I wasn't like ready until like I don't even fully know if I'm ready now. But I feel better about it. Yeah, you. <laughs> I, I just don't like. I mean, it's a whole different conversation. Like this, this, this delves into my psyche of me being a parent someday. But yeah, it, it, it's it, it's just like, but like I, I look at these people and I'm like, I'm like, and for, first of all, it's like it, you can't be deceiving, especially like deceiving people face to face. 
you can at least kind of read through someone's crap. But deceiving people online is one of the sketchiest and worst things that you can possibly do. To as anybody. A human being because to anybody. You're, you're, because it's like, A, we're you talking, don't know what you're messing with. And by the way, we're talking men and women. Both do this. Yeah, both. Or non-binary both, or whatever. Both. It doesn't matter. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. It, it doesn't matter. Who, it doesn't matter who or what you are or what you believe in. It, it's happened to, to, to uh, more people than you know. And it's it's sad because you're playing with people's lives, whether it's whether it's two really bad people trying to you know coerce each other into meeting up, or if it's two really genuine people that are just kind of confused and don't know how things work. It's like either way, you're messing with people's lives, and it's I don't understand how you know like people a lot of people on these especially on these dating apps can think that that's okay. I don't get it. Because it's not. And and here's the thing, too. I'm not... not, Okay, look. I'm positive that with patience and with time, there are genuine people on these apps. I'm I'm not saying that's not true. We are both two men who care about having a future, care about having a long-term relationship, finding women with those same values, right? Like, we know that there are people out there but mm-hmm. but it also is the fact that these apps make it really hard to actually find those people. And that's and especially yeah. in a culture that is less social, I think, than ever before. It it's really and it's hard. only getting worse. And it's only getting worse. It's really hard. And and, and that's what I'm saying. Like I I'm I know that there are good people on these apps. We both know they're genuine people, but that's really hard. And that takes time and that takes effort. And it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not easy and it just adds an extra step that feels so hard and so unnecessary for people like us who are looking for people like that. It's really difficult. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's hard nowadays because, you know, especially, especially when, when, you know, like when you, when you interact with people in real life. And you can, you can, you know, have a real genuine conversation. Like, you know, all, all my friends I've had made since grammar school, you know, even my coworkers, everybody knows, you know, how good, uh, unless I don't mean too much horn, but how good of a person I, I am in real life, you know, how genuine I am and how much I, I, I can show you that I'm a good person. Like, and by the way, you, online, can probably, you, you can probably hear our sincerity in our anger in this podcast right now. I'm just, I, I, again, yeah. I'm trying to toot our horn. You probably, we're trying, I'm trying to be really careful about what I say about this. Cause I know people have different opinions, but I'm like, I'm trying to be honest about this. And I'm trying to be honest about my experience after a week doing this and seeing a bunch of creepy shit along with some nice shit, but also like, yeah. wow, this is a crapshoot. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's like, it's 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 almost even worse than a crapshoot because I mean the, the odds are really not even in your favor anyway. I mean because here's another here's another statistic. I mean this is not this is not to be sounding a certain way, but it's actually true. Men make up a very small percentage of these apps. Oh yeah, com- compared to how yes. And so when yes. so when you have when you have a, a lot of women, especially a lot of women on these apps that are 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 definitely attractive and. You like it seems like you have to compete with so many men for a very few women when really it's the opposite. But it's like 
there are very few men on these apps that women can afford to be picky with it. Because, yeah, but, and, and, you know, no, continue. Cause I actually want to add to that. But, you know, but it's like, it, it's, it's a shame because, you know, there's, there are genuine people out there looking for other genuine people. And it's a lot of people that, that, you know, might not work well in social situations in real life. And it's like, for me, I know, I don't always work well in social social situations, but when I get into something and I get comfortable, I I'm very social, and it, it sucks because in real it sucks because a lot of people, especially nowadays, are not given the chance. And, and this is kind of going into a little bit of a tangent, but I'll let you get to your point about what I said. Um, yeah. But it, it's it's one of those things where it it sucks because there's so many people in real life nowadays are not given a chance to show who they are. And they're not, they're not really given the benefit of the doubt, you know, if something is misunderstood, that a lot of people do turn to, to things like this online, especially dating apps online, to try to find somebody who understands them, to find somebody who, who right. can relate to them. Because we're and not, and, 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 like, and, and look, young, and look, our parents would be like, just go outside and meet people. I'm sorry. In this day and age, it's not that simple. It just is it's not. It's harder than ever. It's just not. It really is harder than ever, because you know it, it's not it's not a simple world like it was, you know, years ago. A lot of things are very complicated nowadays. A lot of people are very, I mean, people are very shallow, but in some ways that makes them more complicated. I guess is a way yeah. to describe it. Yeah, and it's, and it's like, it's like because everybody is because everybody is so hard to read because they're not complicated at all and they're not and like they're just it seems like they're very everybody's very faceless and it's like it's it's very weird in this modern dating age because it's just i i could i've walked up to to girls and been like you know not not even asked them out i've been really nice you know too and it's like you know i'm not trying to my own to my horn again but it's like you know i, I can handle rejection that's a very that's a normal part of life everybody goes through that no matter yeah. if it's a job or if it's a relationship or if it's you know or if it's simple as, you know, your, your dad saying, you know, I don't want to give you a hug today, son, go out and play like, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. it is. But you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it stinks because it's like, I've gone up to plenty of girls and it's like, you know, I, I can tell that, that, that I I could have a good chance because I, I, you know, I'm not like being an ass, like, or uh, I'm not being misunderstood like I would be on a dating app where they can't yeah, tell that is who I fair. really am because I That's can't fair. show it. Yeah, yeah. So and you know, it all it all ties all that stuff. It's just, it does. It's just kind of a sad culture. But go, but go, but go ahead. Because say here's about. here's my thing. Because my 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 biggest my biggest thing with doing this was one. I am going to be extremely picky. Like from the get go, because I know sort of like, okay, you know, I got to sort of figure this out and being picky, you still meet people who are nuts and, you know, have different means or whatever that just happens in these cultures and it's awful and it's disturbing. But the thing is, I think that we have all come to that same realization that we have to be picky. And part of it is the options and part of it is whatever, because we, we know what, and that's the thing when you're dating people, you have to know what you're looking for and then vice versa. Mm -hmm. So you're taking 
Well, I guess the best way to put it is no matter what crap happens on these apps, you've had your fair share of it. I've had my fair share of it for, for the first seven days. We all do because that's just how these things are. And it's awful. And that's the part of it that makes it awful for me. But you and I, I think particularly, still have this old school value of what dating is that we were raised to understand. And so because of that, we go into these dating apps with that mentality, which makes it harder for us. But then it also means that the patients, you know, eventually if you do find someone that that value is there. But that that patience, that time is really hard. It's really, really difficult. And that and I and I just it's hard because it doesn't even seem like these apps are built for us. And if you were to ask, I think a vast majority of people on these apps that are legitimately looking for the same thing, I think they would probably say the same thing. A lot of people say these these apps are stupid. But why do we do it? Because that's just what the culture is. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that's just, it's the worst, but it's the truth. And it, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. And it's, yeah, it's annoying. It really is annoying. Yeah. And it's, uh, and again, uh, I think the biggest takeaway I had for my first seven days with all of this, cause I started, I think on Monday or Tuesday, the biggest takeaway I have is unfortunately what they say on these ads about, you know, find your perfect person. They just care about getting money. Like that, mm-hmm. and that's that's fine. That's kind of what the business is, but like that's what it is. And you can pay the money if you want, but there's no guarantee that something will happen if you pay. There's none. Yeah. There's no. It's so. What are you paying it for then? It's expensive. It's really. It's expensive. And so, that's just kind of my overall thought. Do you have any last thoughts on on sort of your experience with it, or kind of what? You know, you've noticed from our conversations on my first seven days, like anything you want to add to sort of this. I don't know. I because I wasn't expecting this to be a good podcast topic. But I as I got through it, I was like, yeah, this would be a good one. Just because I think we would be able to relate to a lot of people who are also having those same issues and and problems with this system. But um, anything else you'd like to add? I well, I will say I'll say this. It's now. You know how, like, back in the day, I mean, they still have it now, but it was more prevalent back in the day, especially before social media, you had, you know, speed dating, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, But, But these dating apps have become, like, the worst form of, and speed dating yes. is already pretty bad, but this has become the worst form of speed dating. You, like, even with, even with speed dating, even though you have to make a fast first impression, you are talking to somebody face to face they can see you they can play off with your emotion they can they can tell your a lot expressions from you. all yeah, of these things all these visual cues just, visual cues you know just from that minute or two they can they can tell you know a lot from you so it's like when you're online and you have to make a quick first impression through text you are really screwed because how do you make a good first impression? You really can't because anything you say can be misconstrued because there's no there's no emotion behind it. Yes. And you're not talking to them and you're not talking to them face to face. You might be doing a video call, but that's still not face to face. It's and not fully the same way, yeah. It's, it's not the same. 
And the thing is, too, with dating apps, everything is so quick on there. You can just swipe and go to the next person and the next person and the next person and the next person that it's even quicker than speed dating. So if you can't make that first impression in like 15 seconds versus making it it in a couple minutes, you're done. You lose it. it. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. And the thing is. And the thing is, you don't have to pay really for speed dating. You know, you, you don't. You just show up and you get that name tag and all that stuff, and you you go about your your date your tables. But with this, you have to pay for it, and you have to pay for it dearly for it to even pay off. And, I mean, it, it, I mean, saying if you do, I get it. Some people do it. Some people are able on on free stuff. I get it. But the that's the thing that's also really disturbing is how much these apps actually cost if you do want to pay it's so fucking expensive it's asininely expensive for what just a chance of something unbelievable man unbelievable and then you know and 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 and, you know just the last thing just you know just just to kind of sum this all up the, the the dating app game has ruined the already dwindling dating game so yeah you know, it's it, it hurts it, it more. You know, it's it's just crippling it, and to, to the point where it's like you don't even know. And it's like it's sad because it's like you know back then you know things were different. You know there was you know th- bad things happen all the time. Especially it doesn't matter if it's 60, 70, 80 years ago or today. Bad things happen all the time. But back then, it it, it just didn't seem as shady as it is today. It didn't seem as as just the, like seedy and and you know filled with a lot of deceitfulness. Uh, is, is that a word? Uh, I'm no, yeah, deceitful, I deceitfulness is a um, word. Yeah, and that is the um, right word. And that again, I think, yeah. I, and I think that's also our 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 point is. And and look, feel free to comment with us, and we can have some sort of conversation about it if you're you know whatever. But. I that's the thing that's that's I think our main two points. One is we're genuine people looking for a connection on these apps, which we know there are other people that are looking for the same thing. But two, the issue is the deceitfulness is actually disgusting. And it's illegal in some cases, and in some cases it's just flat out disturbing. And there's no proper way to avoid it. In some cases or most cases, you just have to be smart about it. You have to go about it like an adult. And it's good to have people like us where we can talk about these things and figure these things out as a group. But that still sucks. Because there also needs to be some onus on these apps so that these things don't happen. But they still do. So that's, I think, our two points. Genuine people mm-hmm. looking for genuine people, which we know there are, even though it's hard. And two, the deceitfulness is really frustrating. And it's something that we don't want to be a part of, but guess what? It is part of it, unfortunately. So, yeah, there's that. No, you're definitely right. And, yeah. you know, it's just, and like I said, it's just, it's just, that's what happens. You know, like I said, like, it's just ruined the dating game because now you, you know, you go into the real world and remember everybody's on their phones nowadays anyway. So you go into the real world based off of your phone interactions. And it's like, you become more paranoid about things and more yes. like, yeah, you watch your back. You, yes, yes, yes. 100%. Yes. And by the way, and by the way, 
we're talking about this as two guys. I promise you, for women, for people who are LGBTQ+, it's much worse. It's much worse. Oh, yeah. It's much worse. It's so much worse. And I feel so sorry for you all. I really do. That is awful. Um, all right. Book smart. Um, since normally I would ask you guys why you picked this movie, I'm going to start with why I picked it and then kind of get your thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. I, I picked this movie partially because I watched it when it came out. I watched it opening weekend. I went to the theater and I watched it and I really enjoyed it. And as I started thinking about it more after I left the theater, I was like, this is one of my favorite films ever made. Forgot about it actually for a very long time. And then it kind of came into my mind randomly because I was thinking about, okay, what movies are, am I going to pick? Am I going to pick some random X-Men movie? Am I going to do... Well, what am I going to do, right? And I was thinking maybe do an X-Men movie, do a kid's movie, something. But then I was like, oh, book smart. And then when Shane picked Brokeback Mountain, I was like, okay, he's picking a movie that, you know, is a 2005 movie. It's an LGBTQ plus movie. It's a gay movie. Why not we approach, why not we look at it from, hey, let's see how this really important category of film has changed this is a lesbian film through and through let's see how it's changed let's see how 2019 how a lgbtq plus film is and let's let's just explore that side of it so i was like okay we're gonna do book smart and and i know i liked the movie and i was like kind you know i was excited about it or whatever but it, but then I watched it again last night and I fell in love with it again. I was like, oh God, I love this movie. Um, but before we get to why I like this movie, uh, what is your opinion of it? It's funny. I, I went into it thinking, I'm like, okay, well, I know Brokeback Mountain's a classic, even though it's it's not a movie I would I'd watch again, but it's I know it's a classic. I, I really did like it. I thought it was really good. And I was like, I went into this kind of thinking, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, usually these, even if even if it's LGBTQ, you know, even if it's, you know, along the lines of that, I'm like, but any modern movie, especially if it's coming of age, especially with that kind of branding to it, usually it's going to be kind of just like by the numbers, like I kind of know what to expect. But there were a couple, you know, twists and turns in this that I really liked. And that that's that's kind of why I was like, oh, this is actually not that bad. And the thing is, too, it it was funny. Usually when you have a lot of coming of age kind of movies like this, they don't interject humor in it, but this one had plenty of it, which I really thought was a kind of a cool touch. Cause you just don't really see that too much in these kind of movies, but they treat, they treat the topics so serious, which they are. And they did in this movie, but it's, it's, it's a whole other thing to just interject such good humor. Like, it, with it being like not like too PC because I don't, I don't like a lot of PC humor. I'm I'm very much a straight shooter, but I, I like that you know this had humor even I found funny because usually I don't find movies that kind of have like uh, you know like that like movies like this usually try when they try to interject humor it feels forced. Yeah, it feels like it's not just coming off natural. A lot of this movie felt natural and it felt like it was just easy flowing. And I, I like that about this movie is that everything kind of just seems like it was it was meant to be there and it was well told and I, I really uh, 
it's just like one of those things where it's like, and it, it wasn't even a hard watch. It, it was just, it was entertaining because yes, it's a very really, fun movie. And because, and it's not long. Like Brokeback Mountain is a little bit longer. It's not Brokeback, Brokeback Mountain is not too long, but this one, it it's only like an hour. And I mean, if you take off the last ten minutes with your basically just credits, it's basically a nice breezy like hour and a half. Yeah, ten basically hour and a half. And, and in that hour and a half, they cram so much into it, but it doesn't feel like they crammed it in. It feels like it just flowed. It, like every scene flowed into the next. And it, when you can do a movie like that, where you have so much packed into it, so much, you know, topical issues, like societal issues packed into it so much, like, it seems like they put everything into it. And it seems like it would be kind of a, a, a kind of a pacing issue, kind of a mess like that. This movie was, was fine from start to finish. I thought it was funny. I thought the two leads, obviously, you know, Beanie being Jonah Hill's what sister. Yeah. Um, but but she she's a good actress in her in her own right, and um, Caitlin Dever, who I love so much, one of my absolute favorite yeah. people in the business. Yeah, I, I don't know much about her. This is the first time I'm actually hearing about her. But um, um, but uh, but I thought she was really good in this movie. She was really convincing. It's it's funny. I, you know what I find weird though about a lot of coming of age like high school ish movies. It. I know that in you know in high school there are still adult topics that do come up, especially because we've we've been high schoolers, we've lived through it. Um, but it still feels like they just push like in the, in the very high school TV shows and high school movies. It feels like that. It feels like that. It's it feels weird to a degree. It, it feels because, it, it always feels embellished, but I think it's purposeful. Yeah. But uh, but I, I'll be honest. I think it feels purposeful in this movie. I think there's a reason yeah, for it. That's that I felt like that. Like when I when I was first seeing a lot of how their how the high schoolers act very early in the movie, I'm like, my high school didn't act like this. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what high school did. And I'm like I'm like I'm like and then as as it got into it, I'm like so it's like, yeah, I can tell that they're playing it up because no real high school acts like this. And on top of that, like these don't look like kids. These look like twenty five year old adults. Yeah. Which usually is the case anyway. And that, that it was that was the case when this movie came out. That's basically how old they were when this movie came out. But so it's it's still very weird seeing adults play high schoolers. But <laughs> but but yet, but like I said, this movie it was like once the weirdness of like the first five minutes of like just like oh here we go again another high school coming of age like weird kind of schlocky movie, and I'm like oh but it has has charm to it and it has wit to it, and I'm like. Oh, this is a little bit different than than kind of all the other ones you would see in the genre. So it's 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 really nice to see something that like you know it, it's like one of those moments of like oh here we go again and all of a sudden as you're getting into it like you you see your thought process of it changes at least for me it did um, but like my God it's and honestly the best scene and like remember the whole the whole time throughout this whole movie they're working to get to the the party the big okay. high school party i just i just i just want to okay so i want to set the scene really quick so there are two basically 4.0 valedictorian students who go mm -hmm. one's going to yale one's going to africa to make tampons which in itself is a really funny joke <laughs> um which actually yeah. i really enjoyed um and then and then and then basically they're just like, okay, we, and then one of the main characters realizes, 
oh my god, this person gone to Harvard. This person's also getting into Yale. These people are getting into like really, really good schools, but they also partied. They also went crazy. We didn't do that. Let's go do it. And the whole movie is basically their journey to get to the party. And then the party has some things that I want to talk about. But basically, the movie is two really bright, smart human beings. One's a lesbian. One is straight. That's also a big part of this movie. Just two, you know, two women going and saying, we want to party like it's our last night because it literally is our last night before graduation. So that Mm -hmm. is the basis of the story. Um, But continue. But so, yeah, when it, you know, when it comes to that, it's just, you know, those things are very much, I listen, I, us being high schoolers, especially in my high school, my high school was small. It's, it's weird when you have bigger high school. I don't know what it's like to be from a bigger high school because I, my high school graduating class was 109 kids. Mine was over a thousand. Mine was like 800. Yeah. And so like the party, the party stuff, like get you see like Nick's party at the end. That's how I heard about parties at my high school. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you that, but yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. My high school, high school parties in my neck of the woods were, was like maybe 30 kids getting together from our grade and just throwing an end of the year party and be like, Hey, you know, we're going to just sit yeah. around, you know, maybe, maybe crack open a couple beers, not go crazy, but crack open a couple beers, just relax and have a good chill night and then go home. Like that's, yeah. that's, yes. that's, that's, what, that's what it was in this area. But you know, so when I see like all the, when I see all the lavish high school parties, I'm like, where was this when I was growing up? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I grew up in a town that has like five people in it. So I'm like, okay, never mind. It doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't pass for me. But, um, but I'm like, okay. But, but the thing is the party, there is so much packed into, and the thing is along the way, I mean, at each of the places that they end up going to where they're trying to get to this party, you know. It's it's funny because along the way they meet all these different people from all these different walks of life, different people of color, different people of, you know, clean, different people of 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 ori- sexual orientation, and it's like, and it's like, but each of them along the way, even though it's only for a short time, helps both of them find themselves. They ev- that's the and, thing too. That's the main thing about this movie that I love. Every character has a purpose until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Every single character that you meet has a purpose. And they might only be in it for five minutes and they have a significant purpose. It's very rare for a movie yeah. to do that. Yeah. It's, it's very rare that a movie makes use of every single one of its characters. And it's, I mean, it, it, like that, that, that's just what makes it this. That's what makes this coming of age kind of romancy LGBTQ movie. That's what makes it so different from the other ones is that it does so much with such a little runtime that you kind of in a way you almost feel like you wanted another another 20 30 minutes out of this movie yes yes for sure absolutely and it's like and it's like it's like and it did it so well and i mean the the party scene i love the fact that it's not your typical falling in love trope there's the twist to it um yes and which is which is really really cool because the the people that they thought that they were going to end up with obviously you know with they didn't end uh, up with them with the, yeah what well, they didn't end up with them and they were basically fooled this whole time into thinking and the, the crazy thing is is that and it it breaks it's funny because it it breaks you know uh, some of the 
LGBTQ conventions because you think, you know, the, the girl that is going to end up with Amy, you know, Caitlin Dever's character. Who is the she, lesbian you think character. She's, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You think that she's a lesbian too, based on the way she dresses and how she acts, but she's seen kissing Molly's love interest or the supposed yes. love interest. Yes. So and then and then and then and then they have the whole fight. And she's like, "I'm calling what they call Malala," and that's my favorite. That going to that part of the movie, the pool scene is my fa- one of my favorite scenes in cinema history, actually. And I that's my most important thing to say about this movie. This is my favorite movie ever made, <laughs> and I completely forgot about it. And I love and it. Crazy. I love this movie. And I then, love this. But the pool scene is my favorite scene. So crazy. Go ahead. Yeah, like you know what's so cra- you know what's so crazy about that scene too is like that's the scene where it's like you know because you're getting towards the end of the movie you figure oh this is gonna end on a really sweet ending and the music really starts to swell and you know she she's she's you you can see she she feels free she finally feels free and confident about who she is and you know so does so does uh, Beanie care Beanie's character Molly to a certain yes. extent you know when she's waiting for for him to come back into the house for the rest of the party and she really thinks that she's falling in love with him and it's like in that pool scene and it's like you figure oh this is going to end a really sweet note and then it just takes that sour turn in a split second, second. a split second of just bang that that split second turn and it's like oh this movie just got flipped upside down again yes and, and also like, okay and also, here's why I love the pool scene. There's a, I'm going to do a quick pool scene deep dive. So the fir- and that's like maybe so. So the <laughs> <Deep> first dive. <laughs> what deep dive in the pool scene? Deep, deep dive in the pool scene. <laughs> okay, so that is the turning point of this movie. Is the pool scene? Mm-hmm. Um, the first hour of this movie, which I want to get to the first hour because there's a lot of really funny, hilarious moments in the first hour of this movie but once that pool scene happens there's a lot of cool things in that pool scene how free she looks and everything but the pool scene made me realize you know what's actually one of my favorite things about this movie that we need to talk about the soundtrack the soundtrack of this movie oh the soundtrack is great it's brilliant um it's great and the so (laughs) they walk in so the the really weird scene we'll get to, because I think we need to actually talk about that, but we need to talk about a couple things before that. So there's a couple really great songs um, in this movie. So when they walk into the party, they do Santi Gold, Look at These Hoes, which is really mm-hmm. funny because, you know, they're... they're uh, okay, we might get to that later, but there's a reason for that. Then the pool scene is Perfume Genius, Slip Away. Beautiful song. And you know, yeah. you know why that song is chosen for that specific scene. It's a, it's an LGBTQ plus song. It's a song mm-hmm. about gay and lesbian people, you know, being together uh, when the world is against them. It, the whole song talks about that. Uh, and then there's like a couple more, and then there's another one with the really weird scene that we'll get to. That is also a really important thing. But the soundtrack of this movie is brilliant so that's number one with the pool scene and then it's just shot so beautifully how caitlin Dever's just moving around and being so free and again it makes sense the song fits like i always feel like i'm swimming in a pool and listen to that song now because of that scene but uh what what were your impressions of the just the pool scene in general and how it was shot and then uh, we can talk about the soundtrack in general what did you like about that anytime that a movie has some sort of underwater scene 
it's it i'm always interested to see how how it's done because some of it comes off as very like bland and generic and it's like okay we've seen this and this comes off because usually when you have an underwater scene it's sometimes it's an epiphany moment but it's always like a basic just epiphany moment that somebody has or a eureka moment or a breakthrough or it could be something you know on the other side on the flip side where it's really dangerous and it can mean death or it's the end and there's usually always a sad song because you know when you're underwater it's everything's very muted everything's very quiet so it's like okay you know you have this scene here with this and like when i was watching it i was like this is so well done because it's different because i've never seen a pool scene where it's simultaneously kind of like i'm gonna kind of use kind of a sappy term but it grips you by the heart yeah and then it just rips it out it rips it out immediately which yes and immediately like, like you're you're sitting there just like entranced by it and just like like kind of like you're feeling kind of like the sense of like relief and freedom that that the the character is feeling in especially in, in that scene where in, in, in with Amy the character and then you're just it's just like I said that just seeing that kissing scene is crushing like it's it's just and it's all within the same minute yeah like it happens it, and it's just immediately like, like it's just it's such a wild way to do a a scene like that um i god and it's just like i'm trying to find the words it's just there's not really much to describe it it's a it's a beautiful but almost it's like a greek tragedy of a scene yeah but in my opinion opinion, it's the most rewatchable and best scene of the whole movie (laughs) Water, it actually, yeah, it actually might be. Yeah. It, and it's just like, and it's crazy because it's like at that point, it's like, and it's funny because like we said, like every scene in that movie had a purpose. Every character in that movie had a purpose. That scene comes so late in the movie that you're not expecting a twist. Yeah. There. And for, for them to still af- right after that scene, for that to be, for that to be the tipping point of your movie that late in a movie, that is ballsy because a tipping point should occur somewhere halfway through the movie that it occurred comes like, like three fourths like, into the film yeah like three quarters of the way into the film and it's like wow like there's no way that like that just happened in front of my eyelids there's no way but yeah it, yeah and then and, and then, then the fight happens after the and then the fight happens yeah. after and the and fight is last... massive yeah and you have that last quarter of that film where it's like you have to now resolve so much of what happened in the first three quarters how do you do it they managed to fit so many problems between the two characters into such a short span of time like his this movie is masterfully done because there's like you know usually when you have a, a pacing thing like that usually people say oh well it's very forced at the end or it's very rushed at the end it didn't feel like it. It felt like all the exposition and all the kind of the middle parts leading up to the big pool scene were just, they were necessary and it, it didn't feel like it was just wasting time. It yeah. felt like you needed to see all of this and all these characters are so important that by the time you get to the end of this and like the big, the big bang goes off and it's like, Oh, 
now we see why this was so important because there was so much exposition, exposition before it to set it up. But the payoff is actually worth it, like other than it being kind of a wasted opportunity to do something more to make it a longer movie and kind of drag it out more. Yeah. So it's it's just so good. It's it's so good, and then the fight is so good. Okay, the, so the so the fight see. the fight is between the two main characters, and we're talking about how Amy's character um, is going to Africa. Um, and she basically told her, like, I'm going to go there for the summer and I'll be back. And then she screams at her and they have a fight. And she's like, no, I'm going for the whole year. And it turns into this huge thing. And then and you see all the phones in the background and people recording it and posting it on social media, which makes a lot of sense. And then, and then from there, we have to go back a little bit because I think now we can talk about it. There's, there's a lot of funny scenes in this movie that are and and that's the thing okay so we should get to the funny scenes first the the things that make this movie funny is actually the fact that they poke fun at everything this movie is so left-leaning and they make fun of the fact that it's left-leaning <laughs> oh yeah they make fun of the fact that it's left-leaning and the lesbian yeah. is the lesbian in part of this movie and that's not the right way to say it is actually really well done um because they actually poke fun at it and the one thing that they... There's a couple things that are really eye-opening that they poke fun at. One is... One is they're going to... Uh, they're trying to get to the party. And they decide, for educational por- purposes, let's watch lesbian porn. In front of their principal, who's their Lyft driver, who's four feet away from no, them for some reason. I know this film gets weird, but it's great. And then, and then they're like, "Oh, and then I need a charger." She charges it, and then it's like, "Oh, you're playing music? I can put it on." And they're just like, "Oh, oh, oh!" And it's like, "Oh!" And then the principal goes, "Is that Cardi B?" Dead, hilarious, amazing scene. The weirdest when I watched it the first time, this next part that I'm going to mention freaked me out so much. But on second rewatch or on rewatch, it makes sense. The drug scene. Where they're drugged and they they're oh, dolls, yeah. and she's like, "Oh my god, look at my proportions!" Yeah. And now I realize why that scene is actually important because it's it's a comedic scene. It's supposed to like again like subvert expectations. And then so that I thought was really funny. And then it leads up to the scene of this woman who was rude to Amy's character, and then they have sex in the back in the bathroom after. Because they're like, they have this really nasty conversation and they start making out and then they start having sex or whatever. And this scene is really actually well done and it's intentionally disturbing. And I'll describe why. So first off, she, she doesn't know what she's doing. She also, she used her teddy bear as a, as a masturbation device, which is really funny uh, in this movie. And at the end, the parents like kissing the teddy bear. It's like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah. You know, she she doesn't know what she's doing, and that's very clear. And it's it, and then you know she she accidentally swallows a cigarette and pukes on her. It's a very weird scene. It's it's intentionally really disturbing. Not not from a lesbianist perspective, but from the fact that she doesn't know what she's doing, and that's what makes it disturbing and weird. But then obviously it it resolves itself in the end. But that's how did you feel about 
the let's let's talk about two skins. How do you feel about the 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 drug head scene? And then how do you feel about the the lesbian scene in this movie? What how do you feel about both of those and how they were placed in this film? The the drug scene almost like because it got so intense so fast, I'm like, it actually disturbed me a little bit. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> No, it disturbed it disturbed me on first watch. I was very confused by it. Because I'm because I'm I'm like I'm like I don't, I don't like. Listen, I'm not, I'm no expert in taking drugs. I've never done drugs in my life, but I don't think drugs hit you that fast and that hard. Keep in mind, it's like forty minutes. It's like two hours in movie time that they've had it, so it is a good while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, yeah, in movie time, it just felt fast. That that was that was probably the only time I had like a real pacing issue. I'm like, wow, I'm like, did this hit them fast? And they've been sitting there for that long. Like, what's going on? Um, but, but. Okay, but it's like, but then when when they start to really trip, I'm like, oh god, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, am I am I about to watch like two teenagers die on the screen? <laughs> and then I'm, I'm like, well, what's happening? We're not, well, you know, act two actors too, but in the movie teenagers. But I was like, okay, that's. I found it really kind of like disturbing. I'm like, I mean, the doll, them, them basically turning into Barbie dolls is pretty funny. <laughs> um, but I was like, that, look like, at my proportions. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? But you know what? You know what that does though. It it brings some levity to a really bad situation. Yeah. So it's it's because you know the, the drug stuff was terrifying enough, and then just to bring that like to be tripped out so much that you you can see yourself turning into a Barbie doll, like <laughs> that's kind of that's it's it's nice to have a real comedic relief that fast after having such a very quick like rapid kind of spiral. So. It's it, it is really cool how they did that. That, that was disturbing. The the bathroom sex scene was weird because I'm like, I'm like, I I kind of knew it was coming because I've seen that, but that's a trope. I've seen that in, in other movies. But yeah. Like it, but the like, yeah, the oh, like God, I I I wish there was something else that would have broke up that sex scene other than than throwing up on her. Uh, because i'm like do you do you understand do you understand the purpose of the scene it's very because my whole thing is is when i watched it the first time it was probably the most controversial part of the movie do you do you think it makes sense in your mind or like how how do you approach it looking back at that at that scene in particular i think i mean you know given how Everybody was teenagers once. I mean, you know, but especially for like for LGBTQ like teenagers, it's like when you're discovering who you are, and it feels like you kind of just like especially backing up before that, going to the pool scene, and it feels like you're having your very first heartbreak, and yeah. and and so your emotions are running really high, and and you kind of don't know what you're doing, and you're stressed out, and you kind of just let your emotions get the best of you. And you turn to something that you really shouldn't be doing. And that's what that scene felt like to me. And I'm like, okay, this is just, this is like really ramping up real fast here. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Um, But, but it's like, so, I mean, I just thought that was a real quick pivot. I mean, it wasn't, you know, super, super quick, uh, but it was just a real quick pivot. And I'm like, okay, this is, well, this is taking an interesting turn. I'm like, okay, let's just keep seeing what goes on here. So, you know, and eventually it gets to that point, but it's very, it's just, 
I don't think it disturbed me for the same reason it disturbed you. Like for me, I just get grossed out whenever I see puke in a, in, okay. in real life. So or your, in a movie. your thing, your thing was the puke thing, and that's that's probably yeah. And that was very and, weird. And it's, and, it, and it's not and it's not just that too. It's just like I just can't get out of my mind how like I mean, listen, we've seen sex scenes in other movies, like, but it's like. And as, especially, especially you, you like you've seen it like where it's like these are supposed, these are supposed to be high scores, but I still can't get it out of my head to have a movie about high school kids and there has to be a sex scene. Yeah, like, I I don't because, yeah, but I also like I I think that and 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 this I don't know um I, I'm I think for us for you and I we've watched movies enough to know that a lesbian sex scene is whatever, right? It's just a, it, it, it is yeah. what it is. It happens in real life. It's, you know, it's fine. Right. And that's, you know, we're, we're watching an LGBTQ movie, right? We are, we are understanding of that going in. I, yeah. and so, so that's part of the thing is I feel like people who have a problem with that scene have that problem. I don't have that problem with that scene. I actually don't whatsoever. But I also am just like, it's it's just the 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 context of how it's happened. I think I'm more in the camp that you are of like I understand why it's why it, it happened, but I'm in the camp of like these are high schoolers who are freaking out not knowing what to do, and that's yeah. where it's and that's and, like the I, most I drastic thing you can do in a moment. And like that's that a too. drastic, yeah. It, it, and that's part of why it makes sense. That's part of why I think as as much of a controversial scene as that scene is for, again, for the reasons you said, which I think are the more important and, and valuable reasons to, to our discussion with that scene. I think that I, I think that it just like, it makes sense. It just, I, I get why it's there. And I can't think of another way to do that scene, really, that's different. or ha- like I feel like there isn't a movie like this that's made in this way without a scene like that. It, do you get what I mean? Yeah. I, I just don't. And, and again, it was resolved in a really good way, which I think ultimately makes it a really important scene in the end. But yeah, that's where I have more questions about that scene. Is like, it's definitely high school angst. And again, I, I think this also brings us up to another point of emphasis here. This whole movie is just high school angst, is it not? It definitely is. <laughs> this it, whole movie is just like, high school angst. You know, it's like it's a, yeah, it's it's because even though you see, you know, even though you're you're kind of viewing it through obviously a different kind of lens and it being just a regular straight movie. And it's like, okay, but there's still, you know, it's still going through the same stages of, you know, like, you know, denial and acceptance and, and, you know, anger and rebellion and a lot of the things that teenagers go through every, every single day, every single minute of that, that, that they're a teenager. And it's like, you know, you, like, cause a teenager is the first time where you really, I mean, listen, you process things from the time you're a baby to the time that you die, but you don't really like, and they say like, you, you don't really know how to properly deal with your feelings until you become a teenager. You don't learn how to do that until you become a teenager. And 
you know, and so it's no different. It's no different in a movie like this where you see the same kinds of things that, you know, teenagers go through. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. That scene alone, I really thought like the movie was, gonna, I mean, I knew the movie was going to get resolved at some point because the, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that you, you, but it's like, if you don't know what this kind of movie is and you see a scene like that, you're like, Oh, this is spiraling real fast <laughs> out of control real fast. And it's like, you know, wow. Like how are they going to resolve this in the last like 15 minutes? And they did it, but they did it really well, but it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it was necessary to a movie like this. It was necessary to include because it, it's important to, to, you know, draw attention to something like that because it's not just, you know, that regular kids that go through this. It's also, you know, I should say regular, you know what I mean? Like you know, yeah. straight versus, you know, that, that, you know, the LGBT yeah. community, but right. This is something it, that, it's that's like, common for LGBTQ community in a way. Right. And so it's, it's yeah. giving awareness to that. And, and that's part of you actually know, why I, I love this movie, because it actually does a really good job of that, of bringing awareness yeah. to it. It does an amazing job of it. So I, I just love that everything in this movie was just so purposeful. Like, usually in a movie like this, you're going to have some, some, some things that don't make sense or that seem really stupid or that that don't have its place and it's just like a one-off kind of thing and then they go back to the main story. Like, a lot of movies do that, especially with a lot of coming-of-age, high school-ish movies. But like like we were saying this whole time, everything and everybody and every little detail had its place in this movie. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. a lot a lot of and a lot of characters that a lot of characters that you saw in the early part of the movie that you didn't see for like for like another forty minutes reappeared by the end of the movie. <laughs> and like, have a significant like, moment happen to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and how like yeah, and how and how a lot of the minor characters they even showed things that happened to them that made them change or realize things, and it's like yeah, that is really well. That's really well done when you can take almost every single character in a movie, no matter how big or small the role is, and every single one of them had a character arc. Everyone, every everybody. Every single you know how one. hard that is to do. In a, <laughs> it's in a so movie extremely and difficult. In, in an hour and, and thirty long movie, movie. That's only an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, like like um, that's wild. I know. Um, uh, they did cautious clay's cold war, um, for the sex scene. Excellent choice. Excellent choice for that scene. Yeah, soundtrack unbelievable. Um, let's, um. Funniest moments. Uh, my my number one actually funniest moment is uh, oh my god, what's the character's name? The character that keeps reappearing, and she's just a gag the whole time. She's just like, I'm at this party. Oh, now I'm at this party. Oh, oh now I'm at the oh, main Gigi, party. Gigi. She's like, Gigi. I'm at this party. Then I'm at that party. Then I'm at this one. <laughs> Fantastic. And then the part again. We're doing all spoilers. Well, I Oh, I didn't realize that that's uh, that's Billy Lord. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of the, really the like in- yes, um, and then uh, let me and then but my favorite one is the pizza guy. The they're like trying yeah, to get the address from the guy. The pizza guy. The that's pizza my favorite guy. Scene. <laughs> the, the pizza guy goes, "Oh, what if I kidnapped you guys? What if this happened?" He goes into all this elaborate detail, and then Amy gets arrested. She's the one that actually gets arrested the day before graduation, and they're like, "Uh, 
we're going to trade some information because we have seen this man. It's a painting of him. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck just <laughs> happened? And it's just like a cutthroat thing. But every time I like, I, I watched that scene like six times. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but yeah, the pizza scene is great. Uh, what are some of your uh, funniest moments of this film? Oh well, I mean, like, like, like we we're just saying, the pizza scene is my is my favorite. The pizza scene, the fact that they that they that they attempt to rob him and they're not wearing a mask, they just they just tie their hair around their face. They're just trying. They're just trying to it's get like, the number. They're just trying to get the address. And it's like it's like you know because it's such a it's not just it's not just a role reversal of of like gender norms and things like that it's also a role reversal of just the norms of someone getting robbed in a car <laughs> or in a parking lot and like you know because usually you know the people that 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 do the robbing are not insecure teenagers trying to rob a grown man like you know trying to rob a grown like insecure funny teenage girls trying to rob a grown man pizza delivery man and it's funny because he ends up instead of, instead of like you know he ends up teaching them a lesson and it's funny because it's like it's funny he's the one that actually is the person that does it at the end he even gets a resolution not a good one but he gets one so it's like but it's like it's funny how he's teaching life lessons and yet he still ends up on the water post and getting taken in by the end but it's 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 like that scene is definitely my favorite. I mean, the pool scene is definitely the, obviously that's the, that is the scene. Um, because even I, even though, like I said, even though it was cliche to a degree, just the quick, just snap turn of it, that it just turned on a dime is, is so well done. I really, I really wasn't expecting it, even though I probably should have expected it. <laughs> um, what else? The, uh, what are uh, funny moments? What moments when you just go, Oh my God. Oh, you know what? I love the fact. Spe- speaking of speaking of the character of Gigi popping up again. <laughs> uh, what the hell? Um, what's 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 the bro the the, the kid? What's the kid's name that Molly the the what's his name again that that Molly's interested in? Not not the not the main kid. The one who she ends up go- uh, getting I with. Uh, uh, whatever the guy with the uh, elaborate car. That is, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that the car. The car is elaborate. <laughs> the car, the car. Oh my god, the car! I, lo- I love that the car is a gag throughout the entire movie. <laughs> the like, car. God, you know what this movie reminded me of? This was, and if you've ever seen it, and it, and I guess it, to a degree, I mean, it's not Jared. Not Jared, Jared is the name with the car. Jared, yeah, yeah Jared. But but did but do you know what this movie kind of reminds me of to a degree because there's kind of a lot of the same element. It, it's the same. It's the same genre, but it's the same kind of storyline, story arc. This movie reminds me. If anybody has seen it, you have to watch this movie. I would say before before you watch Booksmart, watch Dazed and Confused. I I've never seen it. Damn it. Dazed I, you and probably, Confused. You probably should watch it before is, Booksmart, from what I've heard. And yeah, and because I mean, if you want, if you want the running gag in it of uh, of Matthew McConaughey, you know, saying "All right, all right, all right," <laughs> then then you're gonna love it. And the thing is, his car and his character is a running gag in the movie. It is a very coming of age movie. It is talking about when school let lets out for the summer, and all these kids are basically graduating, 
and and all this stuff and the, you know the kind of pranks they play on each other and it, it's a it's a simple coming of age thing but it, uh, uh, the same way that they utilize the characters in that movie and ha- give them all character arcs and give them all endings and something like it's very similar to this movie just that this movie is basically just the lgbtq version of that movie <laughs> that's, and, that's not I, and, I bet shane would have a better idea of this but yeah i think that's pretty good yeah, and just like this, and just like this movie has a, just like you know, Booksmart has a great cast. When you actually dig into it, there's a lot of, a, a lot of what makes this movie funny too is that it's a lot of Saturday Night Live alum. And not only that, everyone's so, perfectly cast, perfectly yeah. cast, bro. Yeah, everybody, everybody's, everybody in this movie is almost playing just extensions of themselves. <laughs> so, so, and that's what makes it even better. And yo, I mean, not, yo, not, how, not, how not many times? Come, how many times did you have moments where like, oh my god, that's Jason Kasadakis. Oh my god, that's Lisa yeah. Kudrow. I was like, what the hell? Oh, you, you, you have no many, you have no ha- ha- idea how much I freaked out. And like, because every time I see any of the cast members of Friends in any movie that they do, uh, well, not anymore. Matthew Perry, rest in peace. But, rest in peace. Uh, but, 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 but with any of the Friends members, anytime I see them in a movie or a show or wherever it is. I get so hyped, and literally the only thing that plays in, in my every time they make an appearance after that on screen, the only thing that plays in my mind is the Friends theme song. Because <laughs> so, God, I love that, Friends. That scene, you probably just like freaked your head out. You're like, what? Yeah, when I saw, I'm like, I'm like, she's actually in this movie. I'm like, get the hell out of here! Phoebe <laughs> <laughs> is in this movie. Get the hell out of here! Like, oh my god, it was so good. Uh, like, Will Ferrell it's, was it's also part so of this awkward. team too. He was part of the production for this movie, uh, directed yeah, by. Which explains why it's so funny. Yeah, uh, which explains why. Um, yeah, which explains the Saturday Night Live stuff. Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. I mean, as many good movies since this, but damn. Um, Bernie Feinstein, who plays uh, not Amy, the other one. Dang it. Um, Molly. Molly. Uh, she won a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical. Uh, do you want to guess the budget of this movie? I mean, I, I, I know what it is because technically when I, when, I was, when I was looking back through it, I always look up kind of the movie of like what it was and what it did and stuff like that yeah. so i yeah. know what it is but it's shocking that it only cost six million. Six million dollars brandon that's a modern and, and that's for a modern movie by the way that's nothing for a modern movie that's incredible that's, dude. that's incredible and it grossed 25 million it should have grossed 100 million should have grossed way yeah, more but, but, but even so still for it to make four times its budget is still impressive yeah so well done. Uh, there's there's any, not anything, a bad thing you can really say about this movie. I, I, I kind of interrupted you there. Anything anything else that you want to say about this movie? Anything else? Anything other funny moments or anything in particular? Sorry, I just love this movie. I love talking about it. I I don't know. There, there's just not much more I can say about it that we haven't already said. We, I think we've covered almost everything this movie had to offer. Um, oh, actually, I will say the, the, the whole... When they... At the place where they where they trip out on on drugs, uh, the 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 what the hell is the the house where they where they role play? Like yeah, like yeah, a yeah. dinner role play. They yeah, it's the like, it's the art that, department team. It's the it's the yeah, yeah it's the theater kid about team. That, yeah, yeah, the theater kids. So it's like that 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 scene is very funny. And also, um, I want to have one thing. Care. I want to have one th- thing. about the theater kids. 
the theater kids end up at Nick's party in the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing. I love, how, I, love how, I love how everybody just reoccurs in this movie. <laughs> everyone everyone ends up at Nick's party. Everybody. <laughs> and and the thing is, just the transformation along the way of each of these characters is just so cool. But I don't know. It's just this movie is just it, it's funny. For such a coming of age movie, and and for what it is, it's it's it's. I mean, in, in lack of, for lack of a better word, it's electrifying what they did with this, and what what the performances were like. It's just, it's it's so electrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I I this is my favorite movie ever. I fucking love this movie, uh, and that's why I just keep going nuts because I I love 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 this movie, and I don't look if you're straight guys like us. I don't think it matters. This movie's still wonderful. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it matters like, that much. Usually, it's still wonderful. Yeah, it's like usually I hesitate with movies like this because I'm like, oh, I don't want. Like, listen, I, I'll. I'm gonna say for for anybody listening and listening, if you still listen to this point, I salute you. We've been going on for a long time, <laughs> but but at the same time, but we're getting towards the off season, so just get ready for stuff like this. <laughs> um, you know, but. Like you know, I, I'm somebody that's like a, you know, I'm, I'm I'm straight up honest. You know, like I, I don't really care for movies like this. I'm more you know just I've, well being a straight guy, but also just you know it's not my cup of tea. I don't like where, you know because a lot of these movies tend to force things. I don't like when things feel forced, no matter if it's a yeah. straight movie or or an LGBTQ movie, whatever it is. I don't like when things feel forced, but especially in these kinds of movies, they tend to just force a lot of stuff, and it just it doesn't hit like it should, and. This was like the first movie I watched. Like even Brokeback Mountain had some had some you know times where I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm like that feels forced. Um, but this doesn't this at was all. Like first, this doesn't at all. This never. It never does. It never does. And I'm like, this is like, if I'm ever gonna watch a movie like this, which I'm probably not going to, but if I'm ever gonna, if I'm ever gonna watch a movie like this, or if I have to, whatever it is, this is how. This is like the template for what I want going forward for yes. a movie like this. Yes. Yes. A, a thousand times. Yes. A thousand times, yes. And and I think if you are the most right-leaning, non-LGBTQ person, I genuinely think you'll find joy in this movie. Well, yeah, I really do. Oh, yeah. I genuinely I mean, think I genuinely think you would. I really do. Just give yeah. it a chance. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, especially especially for somebody like me. Like I'll, I, I'm not afraid to admit it. I, I definitely am on the right side of things. But at the same time, I like how they were like. I don't like how, you know, movies that kind of have all, you know, the leftist themes, they they tend to kind of just try to defend themselves too hard. Yeah, this force it on like your throat. They, they, they poke, I like how they poke fun at themselves, but not in a way that that, like, is, like, just completely crapping on themselves, but they poke fun at themselves in a way that everybody can be, can laugh at it and find, yeah. that, find it to be funny. And, and everyone, so I think like, everyone can find joy in this movie regardless because that was the thing that i was trying to think about i was like do i really think everyone can find joy in this movie i think the answer is yes i think the answer is a thousand times yes um yeah it's it's fantastic um yeah i just we we can go on and on uh what's your rating here and yeah what what's your rating here for this film I feel like I've given so many movies, especially the last few. I'm not not so much with, not so much with what the hell, not so much with um, with um, 
What the hell? What, what the hell? What was the God? Why can't I remember the movie I picked last mm-hmm. week? Uh, Shutter Island. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> I. Jesus, why the hell did that take so long for me to figure out? What, I, what oh, movie oh, did I give? Oh. Did I give that? What movie did I give? What movie did I give a seven out of ten to? I can't remember. I don't remember. Well, we're gonna re. Uh, we're gonna no. recalculate at the end. Also, I just want to mention one more thing before I forget. Isn't this movie like completely different from anything we've ever done this season? Yeah, Booksmart is like, so different, right? Massively yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, because it, it blends so many different genres, but also puts twists on. Like even if this movie's even if this movie was in a nor- like in a straight genre, it's it doesn't matter because it still had twists and turns you weren't seeing coming. Yeah. So and and it's like not many, but but still for for it, for it to turn every single convention on its head was pretty cool. Um, but it's my god. It's not gonna be the lowest rating I have. It's high, but I'm not gonna give it like a nine because I'm not I'm not gonna go back and like rewatch it and think that it's like a, a well like I know I know you love it. Oh, I love it. I it's my comfort it, movie. And I love this I movie. Dude. I I also don't want to give too many movies like nines because not every movie is gonna be a nine. Well, yeah, so, I, think, I think we gave out a lot of eights or nines this year. This is a this is a nine point five for me. I think easily. Just yeah, it's not a ten. I, because I, I, the only 10 I gave this year was uh, A Quiet Place. And this is because they did that yeah. genre so well. But anyway. And I, I just think that if I'm going to rate this movie, it's going to be probably 8.5 out of 10. Just because I, think, I think that's completely I fair. I think that is I, a perfect I don't wanna, rating. I, because I don't want to give it a 9. Because some, some things I'm like... I'm like it was so well done. And I, and I, I know I praised it. But I'm like... But it, just from my taste and my own preferences, I'm not going to give it a nine because a nine to me really has to stand out. It has to be something I really like love for myself. I I generally and... I generally don't think this is a movie that a lot of people would want to rewatch. Let, let's just put it that way. I think this is definitely yeah, a one watch for a lot of people. Not for me because yeah. I watched it twice. And I think for Shane, this is also going to be a second watch of this. But yeah, I think I that's feel, definitely I feel like fair. This might- I feel like it does. I feel like this is the kind of movie that you don't rewatch because not not because of its subject matter, but you don't rewatch this because it's it's one of these things where these characters go on a journey, and once you've gotten to the end of the journey, pretty much, and they they summed it up really well. Once you got to the end of the journey, it's like that's the, it. You have to say yeah, goodbye this, to these characters as you're moving this, on to another yes, chapter in yes, their life. Exactly. This concluded it. Yes. Yep. One hundred percent. I agree. Yep. And. And it's like you know, it's that's how I feel. And then, god damn it, I know we went. I know we went on for basically three or almost three. No, not three hours. It's been like what? Two twenty. Uh, a little over two. We're at two twenty right now. Because, because <laughs> it sucks. I know this is long, and my god, I wanted to do the cable guy so bad, but I know we're not gonna have time for it. This I mean, we could probably split it into like another. It's like next week's or whatever. Yeah. The Pro Bowl stuff. So maybe, yeah, maybe we, we could probably split point. it in. Um, I. Uh, do you want to guess the Rotten Tomatoes rating for this movie? Which is, by the way, the reason mm-hmm. I watched this movie in theaters. Mm. It has only 388 reviews, interestingly. But do you want to guess the rating? Yeah. That's actually a lot for a movie that's not really a a, a, a mainstream Yeah, movie. this is not a mainstream actually, movie. Actually a lot. This is not a mainstream movie at all. Oh, God. Um... I'm gonna say like, oh, 
It's got to be so it's gonna be like a borderline one. So it's got to be probably like 89 or 90. Are you ready for this? It's like 97. It's a 96. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's a 96. Audience score of a 77. How about that? <laughs> Pretty good. Good Lord. But you know what's funny? Yeah, I know people love, you know, Beanie Feldstein, Feldstein in this movie, whatever. I forget her last name, how to pronounce her actual last name. Yeah. Um, but I know people love her. I love her as an actress. Well, not well, A, she's always tied to Jonah Hill, but B, uh, she also had a minor kind of recurring role in one of my favorite TV shows, and it's What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, I gotta watch and, that. And 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 my God, was she funny in that? Um, yeah. And, I, and I, so, if you if you enjoy so if good. you enjoy her stuff, you would love Caitlyn Dever. I would highly recommend uh, to go through some of yeah. They they, they 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 seem they seem cut from the same cloth, and that, yes. and then their chemistry in this movie is really good too. So yeah, I I I watched Caitlyn Dever literally grow up as an actor because I watched her in Last Man Standing. She was in Last Man Standing for a long time and then oh, watching wow. this stuff. So yeah, I've watched Caitlyn Dever for a very long time. Uh, she's honestly one of my all-time favorite actors slash actresses ever. I absolutely love Caitlyn Dever. And she's in a A24 horror movie that came out last year. It's really good. Um, so there's that. Ooh, what um, was it? Um, it is called... Uh, let me look it up. It is... Ah, I, like, I like A24. It's an A24 horror movie. It's called No One Will Save You. Oh, I think I've... Yeah, I've heard It's on it. Hulu. Uh, and she's she's like the only one in the whole movie, basically. She's the main star of it. Um, yeah, she's in that one. Um, so, yeah. So, definitely definitely worth, uh, worth your time to look up Caitlin Dever. Also, if you haven't seen Short Term 12... We might do short term twelve in the off season, but that one short term twelve is so dark. Uh, but short term twelve, she's in that as well. We might save that for the off season because that's also free on YouTube. Uh, but you know what? Screw it. Let's do a quick thing on the cable guy because we were gonna go quick anyway. We were bored last night, so you and I decided to <laughs> do a watch party on the cable guy. What is this? Ninety six Jim Carrey movie. Ben, yeah, Ben Stiller directed. Uh, just a really quick thing. This movie is really funny. Uh, ben, St- or excuse me, Jim Carrey's character is so disturbing in this movie, but in a really funny way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely well worth a watch. I bet. I bet we're gonna end up doing like a Jim Carrey a thon in the off season or something, uh, since we're we're doing Jim Carrey movies. But yeah, the Cable Guy is really funny, and you you all should watch it. It's pretty damn funny. Yeah, I mean, when this movie came out, you know, people uh, people kind of had mixed feelings about it because it was a departure from what Jim Carrey had done before, and because right right before this, he was coming off the success of The Mask and Ace Ventura and uh, you know stuff like that. So you know, oh, Dumb and Dumber too. Uh, so you know, he was doing all that, and all, all those movies came out roughly in the same like year time span. So. You know, he was coming off the success of that. You know, people had known who he was. He wasn't quite an inter- international name yet. He was known in the U.S. here, but he wasn't quite international. And this movie was considered way different for him, even though he was played in it was a, a comedic role. He this is a black comedy movie. This is a dark, like basically absurd black comedy movie. And Jim Carrey from start to finish 
carries this entire movie. I mean, listen. It, well, what, what, I, what, I, what I would say is that it's just a super dark comedy movie. It's very dark. Like it has some yeah. suicide and stuff like, in there. And, yeah. and if you and if you're a big fan, and if you're a big fan of uh, you know comedian cameos and can Jim Carrey friend cameos, Ben Stiller makes a cameo. Owen Wilson makes a cameo. Eric Roberts makes a cameo. Ben Stiller makes a cameo. Andy Dick. Um, so. They're all in it. They're but they're you know, very small roles. Jack Black is good in it. That's like <laughs> Jack Black plays it. Jack Black plays an actual serious role in this movie, not a comedy one. Yeah. Um. So, you know, th- this movie is great if you want to, you know, just sit down and just have a good kind of just a good time watching this movie. It's you know, it's not meant to be. It's not one to make you think. Even though it actually does provoke the mind a little bit, it does make you think a little bit. Um, and most comedy movies don't do that. But this one does it really well. Cable Guy is my favorite Jim Carrey movie. I know people don't really mention it when talking about his about his best movies. I think this is one of his one of if not if not my just my, not just my favorite, but I think it's his best acted comedy movie. I just really just enjoy. I just really enjoy the fact that Jim Carrey just has fun in his roles. Like I don't think his movies are necessarily the best things in the world so far in watching his stuff, but. Damn, they're funny. And that's enough yeah. for me. As long as he's having fun and, with it and the actors are having fun with it, that's really enough for me. And this movie gets it done. And the one the last thing I'll say is I is that, is that if you think about it from this standpoint, and I do the more that I think about it, in this time period in his career, if you look at how he played this role, I mean listen, this was Jim Carrey just being Jim Carrey. You know, he had, they gave him a lot of freedom with this. Ben Stiller is one of his best friends, you know, especially because they, they were around at the same time together, you know, as comedians. So, you know, they knew each other really well. So he kind of just let Jim Carrey roll with this. A lot yeah, of this was for sure. and Jim, and Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's known for his improv skills. He's one of the best to do it. Um, but this bridge of the gap or this was the start between his kind of slapstick, lighthearted baby face comedic stuff and his more darker dramedy stuff that he would go on to do this is where it started so this was the this kind this movie bridged the gap between his two personalities like this was the bridge between his ace ventura dumb and dumber the mask and bridging it with eternal sunshine of the spotless mind me myself and irene liar liar and all that stuff. Yeah, Spotless so, Mind is beautiful. So, I love Spotless Mind. So, so if you look at it from that standpoint, it kind of makes you appreciate the movie even more because you can kind of see this is where the shift between kind of his his career starts to happen. So, it, it's it's worth a watch if you guys are looking for a good comedy movie, especially for if you like dark humor. And I'm a fan of dark humor. I love it. This is <laughs> I love this movie. So. It's like I can't. And the thing is, you you, you feel bit. And this is another movie where Jim Carrey's considered the bad guy, but you feel bad for the bad guy by the end of it. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. So, it, so listen. If anybody wants to watch it, go and watch it. It's great. I think it's on Amazon Prime at least for this month. I don't know about next month. I don't know when it came on Amazon Prime. I just found it the other day. Um, yeah, we just we just so, we just like watched it randomly. But that's one thing we're gonna and, maybe do during Pro Bowl week is we're gonna we're gonna like do a watch party of a movie and like just do a pod on it because this it's pretty fun. Well, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> I don't know if we'll do yeah. we'll do a Pro Bowl week or in the off season because we should definitely do that for some of these that are picking. Mm-hmm. 
Not a bad idea. I like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's so long-winded. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely uh, a long episode. But I will take it. Right? Any anything that we can do to have some fun uh, and enjoy it is always good. So. Thanks for coming on, Brandon. We'll, we'll get Shane's thoughts on Booksmart. And uh, next week for awards, we are finally doing... Uh, what's the movie that we missed earlier in the year? Uh, Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Next week, we're doing Pan's Labyrinth, if everything goes well, for the award show. That's going to be really fun. Uh, we'll get Shane's thoughts on Booksmart. Uh, but uh, happy Championship Sunday, everyone. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for joining me, Brandon. Uh, that that was really yeah, fun going through g- going through a lot of stuff, but always enjoy it. Man. Yeah, as always, you know I love I love doing this stuff with, with you and with Shane. You know this is fun. It sucks that we're getting to the end of the year, but you know it's always fun. We got the off season stuff coming up, so that's always going to be fun because that's where we kind of get really you know loosey goosey with things. And we still keep it fun, but it's yeah. you know that's where the real kind of fun happens. We entertain <laughs> ourselves in the off season. The Pro Bowl show is coming on Sunday. We're doing it. We're recording it live. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll post it live, but we are recording uh, three hours of us goofing off and going crazy. Uh, I Ooh. will. I will see. We might hopefully get some sports ethos guys in here. I, I have to reach out and see if we can get some of those guys in here. Get some brainless friends in here. But basically, that show we just kind of go nuts. We kind of do no holds barred yeah. and just have the best time. I'll probably have a beer. While we're doing the show, like it's whatever. <laughs> um, it's it's gonna be really fun. Uh, and then of course the award show. Uh, before that, earlier in the week, at some point, um, uh, we're going to do that, and that is going to be really fun. Uh, we'll have different awards, different things, um, as well. Um, so that's gonna be really fun. But yeah, the Pro Bowl on Sunday is gonna be an experience. Uh, we'll be recording at 3 Eastern. Uh, we'll probably be done at 6 Eastern. So expect that to get uploaded around 8 or 9 uh, on the East Coast. Uh, so all the three hours of us going crazy. And we're like right in the middle of the NBA trade deadline. So who knows what the hell is going to happen there. Or like right after it. So I'm going to talk about that too. But uh, thanks again, Brandon. Always fun. Yeah, of course, Rob. It's always fun. And thank you for everybody listening. I know this was a long episode, but hey, we 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 went long, but you know, we do that sometimes. So Yeah, we 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 we, we got we got what we needed to and uh we talked about a lot of things I wanted to get out into the world. So uh thank you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your championship Sunday and we will see you early on next week for our Sports Ethos Los Angeles Chargers Awards, our NFL awards. It's gonna be super fun. Uh, we'll see you all then. Yes, sir. Take care, everybody.